Welcome to the Six of Swords. This is episode seven with Taylor Bell. Taylor and I will be talking about his upcoming, soon to be released, Sigil Arcanum Tarot. Arcanum Arcanum. This is a wonderful piece of work. I've gotten to see uh, a new idea unfold in the realm of tarot, and that's, you know, uh, there, there there's a lot of tarot out there and this one is one that is unique and i think will prove to be one that stands out in the well whatever epoch we're living in right now so you can find that at kickstarter um it goes until may 11th so just keep in mind that you can run out anytime right now just pause this if you need to or do what you need to go over to kickstarter it is a guarantee that it will be fully funded. As of the recording of this episode, it is indeed uh, at that stage where there is uh, no going back. It is completely uh, a sure shot, I will put it. So you'll find out when you go out and check out your own uh, copy. It's, um, I want to say it's, I believe it's $42 for one deck. You get $70, you get two, and for $100, you're going to get three. And there's two kinds that the deck comes in. There's pure black with a finish that you can see the uh, different sigil um, arcanum images in. And then there's a rainbow one, too. So they're both fantastic choices. Um, I'm particularly drawn to the color one myself, but um, I know that the pure inception of the deck is for the black one pure black in fact um you'll hear more about that in the show but uh yeah i'm getting both that's what i'm gonna say so enjoy the episode and uh this is also the point in the show in the intro where you are given credit for being an executive and associate executive producer any amount over 200 dollars will get you there and if you have anything over 333, you'll instantly be an executive producer. Uh, these are good credits, uh, especially in the, uh, the afterlife, I hear. Wait, what? Anyway, so let us away to episode 7 of The Six of Swords. And enjoy. And do pick up your copy of the Sigil Arcanum Tarot. Go do it. Right now. Hi, welcome to the Six of Swords. This is episode seven. I am with Taylor Bell this evening. Taylor is a previous guest on this episode of series of things that we do, uh, all tied in under the six series. Taylor was on the Hell Your Round Table um, for the Six of Cups, and uh, I'm going to read his bio right quick and dig in. So, uh, Taylor is Taylor Bell. And he is uh, graced enough with being able to work at an occult bookstore. It affords him a lot of time, uh, opportunities that he never thought he would have for learning. He's a student of philosophy and the esoteric, and he's become enamored with the tarot over the past few years. And he set out to create his own wicked awesome deck, <laughs> which is good. It's I'm. Uh, impartial judge here um which culminates on kickstarter on may 11th so 
So get out there and get it. There's no pressure. Just do it. Go now. Shoo, shoo, shoo. Come back and do it. Okay. So now that we've set that up, Taylor, how are you this evening? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Nate? <sighs> ah, it's a good night. Um, it's early May right now in the Eastern Hemis, wherever we are, right? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm more in the Midwest, but yeah, it is it is still May over here in the Midwest. <laughs> Just it's the beginning not, of it. It's okay. We haven't like had some Mandela effect where you guys have lapsed into some other thirteenth month. No, we haven't become the second Australia yet. Maybe maybe one day. <laughs> it's just right in the middle of the country. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's man. the it's the new New Atlantis. Um so you've been busy, I think. I hear something about this yeah. tarot. Uh, do you want to talk about sure. that? Yeah, so I uh I started making a tarot deck a little over a year ago. Um you know, working at this this bookstore, like I mentioned in my bio, there does it, it has given me this opportunity to like, you know, take the time that I'm at work, or at least part of the time, to explore different decks and explore all the symbols that are on the different decks. And you know, s- sitting there every single day next to bookshelves full of books on the tarot, you know, uh, books like the Book of Toth or um, Robert Place's book, which is titled uh, The Tarot, Magic, Alchemy, Hermeticism, and Neoplatonism. It is about two inches thick, but it's full of good information. Um, so yeah, that, that type of stuff, you know, being in that environment made me think, I want to take notes on this because I want to learn how to read tarot. And I figured what better way to do that than to just practice by making my own deck. But like, it's, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of a different deck than most of the decks that are out there. It's uh based in sigils so you know all the the cards are minimalist kind of abstract designs rather than you know full interpretive scenes or um paintings or anything like that that you normally find in tarot decks plus also one of the versions is like literally black on black which is pretty cool (laughs) so the black on black is going to be like a matte version Yep. So it's a uh, it's matte paper with uh, glossy ink. Um, the the back is mostly glossy with with kind of these matte lines running through it and the Fibonacci squares, and oh. the fronts are all matte with these like light glossy accents. It looks pretty sexy if I'm if I do say so myself. It's, it's I, cool. I think I think it I think I can feel what you're putting down there, and it definitely comes across that way. Nice. So like you've been working on this for a while, and you put a lot of thought. Like, I mean, you know, first of all, like, just to reiterate, you know your stuff. I mean, it's just kind of inevitable that you've built an awareness around this that's intimate enough to kind of get right down into the core of each of the meanings of the cards, right? Yeah, I should also mention, though, that I'm I'm only 23. I'm not an expert in anything. I'm I'm very much still learning. And I, I only really picked up tarot about three years ago. But yeah, I, I've dug into it and I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just love it. It just like really speaks to me. And uh, I think it's, it's become a big part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And no need to underplay the fact that you do totally have a deep affinity and appreciation for it, but humility is always excellent. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Um, And I mean, you're really doing a service because thinking about how many like the same thing with podcasts in a way like in a later thing we'll talk about there's so many options out there how are you going to speak to people and reach them and get them because we're at a point that 
the esoteric and the occult arts are coming to a fruition in society again. It's getting popular. It's reaching more of the public. You never, I don't know if we'll ever see it become like the massive widespread thing, right? But it's it's uh, getting there, man. It's definitely getting yeah. there. Well, it's on. I mean, Netflix has an array of strange shows that you would have never thought about 10, 20 years ago, right? Yeah, it's mind boggling. That's a good point um, to jump onto. Like, what are some of the proofs that you would say that we're entering more of an occult renaissance? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, <laughs> um, the first thing that comes to mind is when we see kind of like, um, God, I don't remember what company it was. It was like a Claire's or some kind of a, a makeup store or a boutique kind of a store. The mall was, shop, though. Yeah, a mall shop that was that was selling a kit that included a tarot deck and like essential oils and some crystals. And I know what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that was kind of a meme that was passed around. But it's like that. You know, I, I should mention that the shop that I work at sells all those things, but not in kits together and not in makeup aisles, you know, like it's, it's just interesting. Cause like the types of people who are stumbling into the store are, you know, just normal people, just like, you know, folks off the street. And it's not like they're completely bewildered by the contents of the store. They're not, they're not taken aback by these magical things. They look at them and they go, Oh yeah, that looks familiar. Or, Oh, I've heard of that. Or my friend does that. And it's like, interesting. You know, there are some, there are still some people who, you know, poo poo the whole thing. And usually I would say those are more of the religious folks, but I think that because there's been such a massive um, swing towards atheism and away from organized religion in the last couple of decades, you know, with, well, just look at the last couple of decades, I guess. Um, I think those people or a lot of those people are turning more towards kind of a spiritualist system. Um, but it's so fragmented. There's no, like, it's not like everyone's becoming Wiccan or everyone's becoming a Thelemite or a, a Freemason, you know, everyone's doing their own thing, but they're all reclaiming this sort of spiritual worldview in their own kind of perspectives. It's really interesting. And I'm, I'm glad to see it happening because I think that's sort of the kick in the pants that humanity needs right now. I don't know. What do you think? Well, a kick in the pants indeed. Um, thinking about it i'm not sure if it's so much the kick in the pants just as much as like what you were saying about how a lot of people have gone atheistic right they've kind of like lost a a way to find that spiritual sense that's inside of us you can never really kill it but you can really water it down so i think that it's a positive sign like you're saying that they're finding because I think that you're proof that there, that's, there's these kind of people that are coming in and finding it. It's like, and you're right. Like, I guess you do get attacked by certain. Yeah. People, people can be less than friendly sometimes, but I think a lot of that just comes from uh, like, you know, fear from ignorance kind of a thing. Oh yeah. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, the fear is the mind killer. Ignorance is yeah. the great, yeah, it's a savage. Ignorance is savage, right? Right. But it's it's prolific. And, you know, I think when people are faced with something that they don't know about, the easier response is to, is to be afraid. I think we've all been there, too, I think, at some point, maybe. It yeah, helps absolutely. to empathize with, like, and there's no excuse for that behavior, right? Because it's not where we want to be. We want, we want people to, you know, understand there's different ways of getting to God or the Godhead, right? Right. Well, you know, just talking about fear for a second, that just reminds me of uh, Bill Hicks. Um, 
his special revelations. I think near the end of it, he talks about how there's sort of, there's, there's a, a battle between two things, between fear and love. And, you know, fear wants you to kind of close yourself off to everyone else and isolate yourself and, um, you know, become paranoid and, and worry about those things. And, and the eyes of love want you to, you know, um, meet your neighbors head on, right. To, to step into their shoes and to embrace, embrace differences, but also embrace similarities and just embrace each other. Because I think at, at the end of the day, like that's where, that's where things ultimately seem to be moving. Even though there's, you know, this kind of inevitable pendulum swing of friction, you know, I think that's, that's one of the biggest things that has led me to think that there's sort of a renaissance in this type of stuff. I think it in modern culture kind of stems out of the 1960s and a lot of the kind of new agey sort of stuff that was happening back then, a lot of the Aquarian attitude, um, because a lot of that sort of echoing into today. And I think that that means, well, you know, truth stands the test of time, right? So there's a lot of things that's a very thought. I, I mean, I mean, this in like the highest way possible. It's a very thoughtful response. That was very, um, yeah. <laughs> Terrence McKenna, Terrence McKenna, would, well, there's a few ways to go. Cause I like how you quoted Hicks. Um, there's a few is Terrence McKenna says, if it's real, it can take the pressure. Right. I think that's definitely yeah. part of what we're saying here. And if you're talking about how you feel a lot of it comes out of the Renaissance, especially of the sixties and the age of Aquarian ideas that were coming up, I can say that that was definitely part of the forebears. What was interesting to me is that there's so many mystical currents that, um, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily know. I mean, some of us have a really cool bunch of like weird aunts and uncles who are just, you know, cool sinks that turn us on to these at an early age, but there's just so much, what I'm saying is there's so much going on with, all of these different layers of um, realities and intentions. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's tarot that can help explain. See, see how we're going to do this right here. <laughs> Ready for this? <laughs> it's tarot that can help explain a lot of the ways that most humans working in any magically operative system can understand a set of archetypes that, basically rule the wheel of our experiential life on this plane mm -hmm. there we go <laughs> that's that's exactly why why all those what you know who i affectionately refer to as normal people come into the store and get tarot readings and their minds are blown i mean like yeah it's ubiquitous yeah exactly yeah but it's and not it's so not cool. just tarot but it, it, that is a big anchor i think and it's so cool because like you know i Okay, so I, earlier today I was considering Taylor. When I got my first tarot deck, I was fourteen. Okay, it was at a Tat. It was at Tatnik bookstores, and I have a huge thing for Alice in Wonderland. Uh, the books, especially eighteen sixty three, mm -hmm. yada yada, the Tenniel illustrations that you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, these Alice cards, they were just. I was like, oh, this is an Alice in Wonderland thing. So I, it looks mysteriously cool, and I got it. I remember opening it. And just, you know, I'm in the car on the way back. Just what, the, you know, what did I just get? It was so jarring. Like I was the familiar imagery of Alice and Tenniel's illustrations was there mixed with this powerful imagery. They, they were used, they were built off of the, um, the Smith weight uh, okay. yep. images. Mm 
So follow those pretty closely using like card guards for certain characters and, you know, the um, Griffin and Mock Turtle and the White Queen and, but, you know, so on, so on. You know, I got to ask, those. what was the Cheshire Cat? The Cheshire Cat was the Emperor. Oh, interesting. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, they did a great job with it. Um, at the Sun was Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> So have you seen the new uh, Alice in Wonderland tarot? It's, um, oh, what is it? Uh, is it called Tarot in Wonderland? It's by Barbara Moore. I have not. Okay, it was put up by Llewellyn in the last like year, year and a half or something. You might, you might dig that. It's pretty cool. I, yeah, um, I am on that. <laughs> I, nice. Thank you. For, yes, I'm always appreciative of, I mean, this gets around to an interesting question. How many decks is too many decks? Well, um, I have a dozen. My boss has somewhere over 300. Um, I don't think there is such a thing as too many decks, but her wife uh, differs. Her wife says that there is indeed a thing called too many decks. I guess it's probably somewhere around 100. (laughs) 300, though. Yeah. I, I think, well, the store itself has 330, and Tracy has more than that. So... And technically, she owns all the store demos, too. So, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of decks. <laughs> what can you say? Yeah, I know. I mean, that's... But, I mean, how, how, this gets around to how much time in life is there? You know, there's a thing about building a... Rela- this isn't... I'm, ta- I'm, I'm just talking about... I'm just... Ha- these are ideas here. What, do you feel about the... Um, the the you know having a real deck that you vibe with a couple of good decks that you do something special with maybe spin off onto that yeah um the toth is kind of one of my biggest ones um actually i keep it within arm's reach for a specific reason um but uh the alchemical tarot by robert place is another one that's really popped out to me um i mentioned i have like a dozen but you're right i think that sort of focusing in on a couple that you can really you can really like wrap your head around things that like the symbols really speak to you in a certain way. Um, and that's why the alchemical and the Toth really, really pop out to me because they, they are so like symbol rich, uh, you know, go figure. I mean, I made my deck out of symbols, you know, I, it's, that's the stuff that speaks to me more than the, more than the scenes. I love the Prisma visions too. It's a deck by James Eath. Are you kidding me? Dude. Yeah. That, that deck is amazing, but it's uh, I have that to hand. Oh, nice. That was one of my first tarot's. It's incredible, isn't it? It is. It's the only deck that I've ever seen that actually links all the the small cards together in these small stories. Like a tableau? Yeah, like the ace through king tell a story yep. in, in this deck. It's incredible. And the, the trumps are really great. The um like the tower is different. It's just a house on a hill. The yeah, on that, on that precipice. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. sun is super weird too, with like a bunch of like melting wax and fruits and different things. What I really like is how the world card ties together all the the virtue cards and other major. That's in, that's some high. That's good stuff, dude. All the animals and all the scenes and everything. Yeah, that's, that's it's a good deck, and that that deck is different than the Toth and the Alchemical because it's not really it's not symbol rich. It's more like story rich right like there's you know it's it's telling the archetypes through the the hero's journey in a way right not exactly the hero's journey but like that kind of idea of this it has that flavor to it yeah exactly but it's cool it's super cool all right 
No, what I find interesting is that for the Six of Wands, it utilizes the Six of Swords motif. Oh, yeah, with the kind of sailing away in the boat. That's interesting. Right? Huh. Right? No, that's, that probably explains why that confuses me so much. Because the, the Prisma Visions is the deck I learned on. Oh, that I should have spent time with the Rider Waite, but yeah. <laughs> see, what's in the right, see, you learned from, that's interesting. That's really cool, I think. That's a unique experience that not many people get to have. So that's, that's cool. It was a fun deck. Um, you know, I think that being able to learn tarot originally with that story idea in mind to kind of connect the cards sort of helped me figure it out when I moved on to the um, Rider Waite and the Toph because those I, I tried to tackle those basically at the same time. And I, I, I love them both like like they're two different children of mine, right? Like I, I, I love them both. I don't want to pick favorites. You know what I mean? But I think I'm on the same I page. To, if I had to pick favorites, I'd probably say the Toth is my favorite. Just yeah, I could see you going with Toth. But uh, yeah, they're both, they're both incredible. So you would, you would give a shout out to Lady Frida Harris for doing such wonderful work on the art. Yeah. But, I, but I'd also give a shout out to, to Pamela Coleman Smith because you know, the, the Rider Waite art is, it's not quite as like, cause the Toth's art in, you know, by, by Frida Harris is just so dynamic and original and like yeah. full of geometry and like the Hermit card really sells it for me. But, um, but, but, but yeah, looking there, looking at um, the Rider Waite, you know, uh, Smith's work is, is just gorgeous. It's just like classic, you know? And yeah. I've never um, been a fan of the Marseille personally, but. Well, the Marseille is, it's, it's kind of folksy, right? Yeah, and, that's true. I mean, it's I've never actually uh, I don't think I've actually handled one at this time, so I couldn't really say how functional it is, right? But um, it's tough because of the pips for the miners, right? They're just lines. A lot of them are lines and just assortments of like clubs and stuff, right? Exactly. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was glad that they came out with the Smith Weight Centennial. It gives direct appreciation of her, right? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, you're right. Frida Harris used a lot more sacred geometry, and the hermits like that crazy, like hermit. It's like, well, I'd have to dig it out to more properly describe it. But he's got that big old green headdress. He almost looks like a hidden pharaoh. Yeah, it's it's like the shape of him kind of blends into the card itself. Like the the form is just kind of all part of it. But I don't know. It's just that's just so that that I think looking at that card really like made me appreciate the Toth in a different way. Um, it's it such a one color. of the most powerful cards in the Trumps, if you think about it. The Hermit? Yeah. I would say so. What, uh, Hermit's number nine, right? Number nine? Okay. Number nine, yes. Number nine? <laughs> <laughs> I'm searching through the Masonic Tarot deck for the Hermit card right now. This deck, I think you'll appreciate a lot. It's got built-in gold foil on it, but... The Masonic Tarot? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. You can find it on the Ebays still. Now, if I remember correctly, I, I could be wrong. You might have the same one that I'm thinking it is, but I feel like you have a Masonic Tarot that's different from the one that Los Garabeo sells that I have at my store. Yes, because this I've never seen this deck except for in your hands. But this is a cool this is a cool deck. It's such a thoughtful deck, man. It's 
like you want to talk about the sacred geometry that she employs like you would you would drool at this um it's such a thick deck to handle too look at the hand it's a full like double like so this is also a it's a it's it's a it feels good to handle like the proportions are dynamic that you know what i mean it looks it looks a little bit taller than a normal deck yep exactly yeah it's like like handling one of them newfangled cell phones <laughs> <It's enormous. laughs> built-in 5g antenna yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh man uh, we don't we don't need none of that education um so moving forward um I do ask six questions. Uh, you, you know the drill at this point. I ask six questions. So throughout the show, one of the first ones going to be, what is your favorite time period? Oh, just in general, just of all time, including the future? You do you, man. Okay. <laughs> um, that's a good question. Uh, I don't really have one particular favorite time period. I like the one I'm in. I like this one. It's, uh, it's not bad. I got decent health care, um, got shampoo, whatnot. But I also, I feel like I really would have lived well in the late 60s. Um, I feel like that, uh, yeah, that, that time period would have been interesting. Yeah. Um, but then going, going back, you know, um, I've always been a fan of, you know, like the Renaissance Festival, kind of like medieval times sort of idea. I know that the, obviously the Dark Ages were brutal, but like, I feel like there's there's some kind of a charm to it that I would appreciate. It's sort of like a grit to life that that people went through, you know. Um, yeah, so those are interesting. A lot more natural back then, too. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, otherwise, the, the the second thing that popped into my head was uh, like the 1600s uh, Elizabethan England, like time of John Dee kind of stuff. Amazing, you say that. As I'm, I was given a um a meteorite pendant recently. Oh, interesting. It's so super rad. That looks almost like a face. <laughs> I guess it does. Um, you can see it has a personality. It's a very big smile. Um, <laughs> it's it's a very good omen locket. On the back of it is a coin that reads uh, Elizabeth on it. Oh, interesting. I was getting, it's 1966, of course. So there's all sorts of cool stuff going on there. It's got a lotus. Can you see the flower in the middle? I know people can. Kind of. It's a little blurry, but yeah. I, I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see it now on the five-pointed kind of. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it's got a um, silver metal surrounding it. So I'm just describing this piece here, but um, it's got Elizabeth on the back of it. Right. That's very interesting. And I was given it on Elizabeth's 93rd birthday. The current modern Queen Elizabeth. Right. So what do you, what do you know about John Dee? Let's shift into that for a little bit here. Oh, only what I've heard. Um, I, I know he was uh, her royal physician, I believe they, they called him. He was sort of the one who was her closest confidant when it came to uh, things that she wouldn't feel comfortable talking with other people about. I think it was probably because he was pretty eccentric. Um, I feel like D was always an old man, even when he was, even when he was younger, like in his forties, he was still kind of seemed, seemed to have that sort of old sort of personality. Um, at least, at least from the way I've seen him painted, you know, um, talked about, 
But, uh, you know, he worked closely with Edward Kelly, who I believe was a known charlatan and uh, a quote-unquote alchemist, um, who sort of played the role of his, his seer or scribe, uh, scryer, I guess, right? Um, yep. Somebody who would kind of tell him what the angels were saying. And I, I believe I've heard that at some point he told them that the angels said, oh, Edward, you must you must marry John's wife and, and run away with her, something like that. Because then he, he proceeded to tell John D that. And D was like, well, I guess the angels say it must be so. That's- yeah, Kelly was, a, Kelly was a mixed bag of tricks. You know? <laughs> I mean, he, he literally ran off with a guy. He Elron Hubbarded him. Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> Parson, yeah, this is to this as this is, yes. It was a mess. It's funny how history repeats itself though like that. Well, there are archetypes out there like that do, you know, I don't know if they weave themselves through the tradition if the angels just have a uh, sense of humor, if there's something about human personality. I don't know, right? There's, yeah. So, okay, this is good. What do you think, um, this is multi, so go wherever you want with this. What do you think... Um, summoned entities are from your experience and so forth? That's a good question. If I had to guess, oh man, if I had to guess, I would say they are parts. Okay. So the way that I see like souls and human energy and consciousness and like other animals and stuff is basically the same way that I see light and plasma. I think it's kind of all somehow related so spirits or entities or whatever, when you summon them, I feel like are sort of the dust drifts of those things that kind of accumulate together in certain spots, almost like, like if there was a, like, like you do a ritual, right? And you, you say, I invoke the, you know, awesome and mighty God, yada, 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 right? And, and what you're doing is kind of creating this like center point, this, I mean, you're literally casting a circle and creating a center point and and channeling this energy into one spot it's almost like a magnet right it's almost like like a little a little dot that's just kind of sucking stuff in and i don't i don't think that 100% of the time they are what you think they are but i also think that there's a decent portion of them that really are i think that when people do certain invocations or certain summonings they actually do get in touch with who they're trying to or at least get in touch with those spirits um, secretaries or, or what have you, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's very weird, but I think I've seen people establish relationships and connections with spirits they've conjured, and I myself have had some interesting experiences. Um, so I don't really know. I, I don't. I don't think it's all in your head, but I think that it plays off of what is in your head. If that makes sense. Now going with that, because I think that. And, um, you know, you know, we, we've heard people maybe say something similar in that realm before, right? Probably. So to probe that further for the sake of just, let's see what goes beyond. Cause I've had that experience like, okay, it's definitely not all this, but this, what's the medium that's going on that causes it to be partially, at least part of interface through our, our formal interpretation or our perception of it. Right. What's, mm-hmm. what's the inter like, what's interoperating between maybe the suggestibility of you would say like, Oh, it's not so much. We had an idea, but an idea had us Where's, sure. like, what's where, at which point does, you know, this Venn diagram overlap with this Venn diagram? 
Hmm. Yeah. I, I almost feel like when you're doing that kind of work, when you're putting those intentions out there, it's like, have you ever heard the term being ridden by a spirit? Oh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I almost, and I, you know, that, that just kind of popped into my head, but I almost feel like what happens sometimes is this sort of like, um, you know, what you are doing is trying to access a certain archetype or a certain specific, you know, being right. Or, or even a person, right. Or whatever. And, and what's happening then is uh, because you're putting that intention out there, something is coming through you to, to kind of become into the world via you, via your body and your brain and, and your experiences because you're the one experiencing them. I think that's that's a big reason why when people record magic rituals or record strange things, they often don't catch things. I think it's because the lived experience is what's more important than the recorded experience. It's about what people are, are experiencing and feeling. And I think that that kind of is the entity sort of like pushing itself into manifestation through you as a vessel, if that makes sense. Not like a possession, but like, you know, like a channel, if that makes sense. Well, I think that that makes a lot of sense. One way I've heard recently that sounds like it makes a lot of sense with that is like people who are actors or who get into a heightened state of emotional performance, right? Are they what we call acting? Are they just acting hysterical? Or is there a gateway? Is there a flow of something bigger? You know, is there some opening there now that because it was fake, mm -hmm. there's something that's allowed to amplify or project or become? Yeah, becoming that, yeah. So, you know, I'm working on the Holy Gift, which features the Fiat Day Awad, mm -hmm. named after Enochian which is the voice of God. Right. So it's got a John D. Enochian summoning angelic quality to it. Then you got this guy freaking out. And he's, yep. you know, he's just a fake caller on Art Bell. But then, you know, somehow all of the station all, goes out. all of it goes out. And yep. you know, is it a it, it, you know, could we could ask like was it just like a stunt? Yeah, was it something Art Bell engineered? <laughs> Exactly. And then the guy calls back in or now that's the interesting thing. Cause there's, you got to think about it. Right. Was it that he was actually saying something that shouldn't have been said at the time? And it was on nine 11, 1997. Right. Really? That was recorded on September 11th. Weird. That's, that's creepy. Four years. Right. And the stuff he's talking about is all, the disasters that are coming. Yeah. Huh. Right. Just a little, it's, it's just like, how does Neo's passport have? And I, I think that's such a profound one because it's so, you can look at it so mundanely and say, you know, Oh, well it just happened to be there. Or you could say that's one of the most profound allegorical films of the past in recent century most people in the culture know about it at least partially if not they've seen it you know I, it's and the just the very subject matter at hand 
that it's you know and also something else i noticed when i rewatched it during the 20th anniversary recently taylor there's the last letters that form on the um the green screen as the movie actually begins yeah you matrify to 911 really in in which system just plain old reduction oh okay i got you i i, I used to matrify but i meant newer, in like, you know index yeah, with like english or just whatever. I mean, it becomes nine eleven. It's like six okay. five, and then a, yeah, it reduces to a nine and eleven. Or it's interesting. Yeah, too. I've you know obviously you don't notice these things until you start just like oh holy shit a bunch of numbers. I wonder what I can see. You know this. Yeah. You know, it's especially just, when you when you start playing around with numbers. Exactly. Then then, it's, then it means something else, and you're like well, and it, it, it wouldn't be significant if it were like a three and a four, and you know I mean it's like. But it, it's still, anyways. We diverse. We we just. What is what's that? We, um, right. I, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I'm trying yeah, to. I know, right? Digress. There we go. I digress. There you go. All right. So, let's ask you. Uh, your next question is what's because I feel like we actually have a couple of things to go through from that, but we'll circle back around. Sure. What's your favorite or who's the best film director? Oh gosh. Um, hmm. I'm just going to go with my gut and say David Fincher. Okay. Um, you got to have at least top three favorites in that. Okay. Um, fight club, the girl with the dragon tattoo. And, Hmm. I really like the social network, but Ooh, it's tough. I'm going to go with the social network. I, that movie was pretty impressionable on me. I was in high school when I saw it. So Yeah. But Fight Club is by far my favorite movie, like of all time. It's just phenomenal. I was in high school when I saw that, so yeah, I feel oh, you. Gone Girl is also incredible, and and of course Seven and Zodiac. But I mean, let's you know. <laughs> I would They're have to good. go with Seven and Zodiac for my for mine with Fight Club for the yeah. adventure. That's fair. I, I actually haven't seen Seven. I've seen Zodiac. Zodiac's incredible, but Seven's I brutal. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah, I strap in and just. Get through it. Yeah. <laughs> You'll appreciate some elements. It's clever. It's dark and witty. If you have a certain angle and look at it from a particular way, it's, you, you know, it's, it's, you can, it's bearable and it's, it's, it's smart. It's very good. You know, it's, you know, it's, anyways, you'll enjoy, you'll in, un, enjoy it. You know, it's, I'll probably, I'll probably like it. Yeah. I, I like, I like fucked up stuff and I like weird stuff. So, and you I love like David Lynch, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I would have said David Lynch, but I don't really, I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like Fincher's movies resonate with me a little more, but I've gotten into Lynch recently, like in the last two years. Um, Fincher's been with me for a long time. But, uh, like, Twin Peaks, it, Twin Peaks is incredible. Like, all, all, all the way from season one to the end of season three. The whole, the, the whole show is just solid gold. But um, some of his movies, too, uh, really caught me like a racer head and all a drive. So what do you think Lynch is trying to do with his general commentary and the, you know, I want, I'll just insert the word, the verbiage. So did you read the secret history of twin peaks? Uh, by Mark Frost? I have not. No. Something worth reading. Okay. Um, I have it right over there, but yeah, it's, 
if you look at these things like I think you know you do, that's gonna be some mind candy. There's there's a lot of stuff in there, like really ties it all together kind of thing. But anyways. Um so what do you think Lynch is trying to do with the storytelling manner that he does and the the virtues or the morals that you kind of see repeated throughout his oeuvre? Um, that's, that's an interesting question. You know, it's like he's trying to make people look at themselves more, if that makes sense. Like, you know, Lynch is really big on like what he calls transcendental meditation too, which is kind of interesting. Um, I, I haven't done it or I don't know much about it, but it's, it's I practice it. Yeah. Well, you do actively. I do. Okay. My, my mom also does. I think she, she did that, you know, and I found out that this was related to David Lynch. And I was like, what? Like, that doesn't make sense. And then I started looking into who he (laughs) is, what type of a person he is. And it's, it's interesting. I, I think it almost feels to me like what he's trying to do with his movies and his shows, and especially with Twin Peaks, is to kind of like get into people's heads in a way that's like too close to home, almost. Like there's nothing in it that's explicitly supernatural or weird until you get to the stuff that is very obviously supernatural and weird, like like Bob and stuff like that. But but beyond that, the rest of the story is just about people interacting with each other, right? And it, it like gets under your skin in a way. Well, I think that the important thing about Twin Peaks too, just to say, it represents the best I've ever seen that actual force of evil that seeps in through people. Oh my God. It, and that's one of the most important things that Twin Peaks does is it shows there are lodges of different light and dark yep. that are both manifesting through... And he associates it, and spoiler alert, in episode eight of season three. Oh my God. <laughs> through the birth of Bob and all of, and of course it's, you know, you can, and you know, I don't, I definitely can see some connections between the Babylon working, the atomic bomb, the sudden birth of the flourishing of a modern UFO wave. Right. I mean, it's it, there. There is something there. It's it might not be what everyone says it is. It might be even something far stranger. But um, those events are all connected. And the, you know, it's interesting how it's called Trinity too, where they were. Is that the name of the episode? Huh? Is that the name of episode eight? Episode eight. Is it called I Trinity? The name of episode eight. Okay. Uh, well, if you're listening to this and you have not seen episode eight of season three of Twin Peaks, you need to stop what you're doing and go find it and watch it. Even if you haven't seen the rest of Twin Peaks, uh, well, it'll I would, weird I would, you out. You'll be I, like, I don't know what I this is. I wholeheartedly would advise people watch all of Twin Peaks, but well, that's me. I'm, well, you know. I'm a Twin Peaks guy. <laughs> it's I, I. I'm not gonna argue. I'll just say, well, I would recommend maybe that. Maybe just like that clip on YouTube, not to kill the whole series thing. I don't know. Is that the, well, which clip is that? The one with the bong going off and then, you know. All the weirdness. All the weirdness. And then the giant and the light room and everything like that. Yeah. I just really like that Trent Reznor is in that episode. That is really interesting too. Because it's Trent. I saw him in 2005. I think that's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Back, see, 
that was a period of his career that I think largely gets overlooked until he really storms back a little bit later. Like that with 2005, it's like with teeth, right? That was with teeth, yeah. And after Cap, or around the time he was about to do Capital G and stuff like that. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I was, um, I was, I was watching him like really ride high on the fragile, and you know, yeah. it was right because the downward spiral was just like his biggest, like that's that's his thing right there. Yeah. You know come back on twin peaks it was like he had a return too it's like yep. holy shit dude wait so you recognize one of the things i figured out twin peaks the return was twin peaks is showing its saturn return that's it is it's about it's about that long too yeah it's like 27 so, years ish interesting right and so that's also trent Reznor making a saturn's return interesting and if that's two Saturn's returns, that's two circles, and that's an eight. That's episode eight. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. That's crazy. That was about the same time then. And there's, there's spirals and portals. They, I mean, this, uh, just to, here's an idea. So you have energy. You're always – you're a toroidal field of energy as a as a aura and – uh, the general vibe that you give off in the electromagnetic universe, call it what you will, right? I'm trying to be inclusive and make sense as much as possible, meaningfully. So um, would you say that like part of uh, raising your so-called vibes has to do with whether your energy spirals down or spirals up? Interesting. Uh, do you mean that in like your energy natively or, or like what it is doing at the time? See, this is difficult because um, you know how when you're around someone who feels heavy, right? Yep. It certainly seems like they're they're kind of like manifesting a lot more here. Interesting. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm following you. I'm following you. I that's. I'm just like spitballing. I mean, like I'm sure there are gurus out there. If they ever heard this, they're like, "Haha, look at them trying to figure out basics." But like seriously, I'm I'm just trying to say, like, there's there seems to be something to the weight of it, and then like when time passes more quickly, quick right. has to do with light and higher vibrational frequency. Okay. Well, that would also kind of help to explain like people are, you know, feeling negative or feeling drawn downward. They're, they're thinking a lot about the physical things. They're thinking about like consequences and they're thinking about the past. Yeah. And that's one of the interesting things about, about ghosts to me is that like, or, you know, ghost encounters, right. Is that like, um, you almost never see positive things. It's almost always the negative stuff that sticks mm -hmm. around. The positive stuff goes forward and like disperses or the negative stuff like holds and sticks. Yeah. Cause the, cause allegedly, and we're just being generalized when we say like some kind of spirit or, but like it's, yeah. it's they're stuck because it's not able to get back onto the path that it needs to karmically get on. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like shocked there in the medium. Yeah, like like yeah, like it slipped slipped under a layer and it's like stuck. Have like, you played Ocarina of Time? Uh parts of it. Beginning in the Forest Temple, the first adult quest, he is fighting a phantom Ganon. And when you okay. beat that, because you gotta use the bow and arrow to shoot him or the hook shot to sh whatever, you gotta shoot him as he comes out of the paintings. Paying the balls because sometimes he fakes you out. So you can shoot him and you get him out there, and then after you defeat him. 
the actual Ganon's voice says, haha, what a useless creature. I'm going to banish it to the, the void between dimensions. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is, you know, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about hidden in plain sight. This is one of the biggest video game franchises that, I mean, that arguably is one of the top 10 ever video games. Right. And there it is right in plain sight, like this high concept of, you know, actual possible necromantic and otherwise magical practices, right? Right That's in true. plain sight, they say. So, I mean, I think that's, um, we talk about a magical renaissance. There's all these things that have been like kind of building up. Because that was um, 1998 that was released. Ocarina? Yeah. Okay. And, well, and I, I've been playing God of War recently, the new one, which is all about like Norse mythology and stuff. How is and that? I, it's really good. But I, I got to a point yesterday in it where um, the character ends up um, sort of in the, the portal between realms. So, and, and there's two characters, it's a dad and a, and a son and the son comments and says like, you know, Oh, that's so interesting that all of these realms exist on top of each other in the same place. Huh. Like they're all, they're all layers stacked on each other and you can only see the one that you're in. But you, when you travel to the other one, you don't actually go anywhere. You just, you're just traveling. So it's very fascinating that the, these types of ideas are being brought into popular culture. Thank you for bringing that up. That's really interesting. That's, I love those kind of, I like a rep. Yeah. That's very, yeah. Did you now a silly version of that? Do you remember toe jam and Earl by any chance? Vaguely, but yes, I, I do recall the names at least. They had these layers of worlds that you would go up on. They were absurdist. It was about a sub it's a Salvador Dali as you could get on early Sega Genesis. Okay. Okay. Very cool. You could look up a video up and it would just be as fun. It would be fun. You have to get, it was like so quirky though. It was like really radical for the time being so weird, but they had different <laughs> levels that you could go on. And it just reminds me of a physiological way of expressing that. Sure. It's mystical though. It's God of Wars expressing it. Yeah. God of War is a very good game. It's it, yeah, it's, it's, it's good stuff. Good story. Do you have, okay, so I'm just going to make up a question on the spot here. What's your favorite video game? This is question the third. What's your favorite video game? Hmm. Series or game? You get to big over them there. Um, gosh. If you had asked me when I was in high school, I would have told you Halo. Okay. Uh, hands down, because Halo was like my life. I thought about Halo every single day. <laughs> I don't know why I spent that much time with that Egregore, but I did. You liked um, it. Yeah, it's, hey, it's a good story. Very compelling. Um, right now, ah, I think Dark Souls. Um, oh. Mostly Dark Souls 1, but also Dark Souls 3. So yeah. I'm not familiar with Dark Souls, I think. Okay. It is a game where you die and you die and you die and you keep dying and you die some more. And at some point in there, you're killing things. And the, the way it was described to me when I first started playing it is you're a zombie. Um, here's a stick. Uh, go kill all of the gods. And that's kind of what you do. You have, to, you, have to, you have to sort of pick yourself up from your bootstraps. You're the chosen undead. And you're, you're tasked with um, sort of, you know, destroying the king of all the worlds. And, you know, the, the, the god king, whose name is Gwyn. He's literally the lord of sunlight. And then uh, uh, taking over. And, and you have a choice at the end of the game, which is one of my favorite things. There's no real right or wrong ending of the game. 
Um, but you, you have the choice to kind of take over his position and link the flame like he had done and sort of take his place, become the new Lord of Cinder, or to just let the flame go out, to just let it, let it die and cause the Age of Dark. And so it's, it's an interesting game. The, the series is full of very esoteric ideas and symbols. Um, so it always like grabbed me there. Plus it's super dark and gritty. So I don't know. I was, I was, I always like that stuff. It's engaging, you know, I mean, like, I mean, I can see that added bonus choice reminds me of mist in a way at the end. Oh, sure. So that I can appreciate the, um, you've built up this much. What are you going to do? You know, you've worked up this far. This is kind of like you have an iteration of that. I see in newer games is the whole point of you have a split second decision to enter a certain button combination during a live action video scene Hmm. that alters the course. So it's kind of like the, uh, you know, choose your own adventure, but did you hit this on time? Did you get it accurately? You know, the kind of, so, I mean, that's like a, 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 as below version of that in a way. What do you what do you think about that and like how people are possibly being game trained in the economy? That is very interesting. You know, I, I think that that's that's sort of like you mean for like jobs, right? Like people's jobs are being essentially gamified or all the above, right? Okay. Like because there's going to be social consumer. Um, what do you say uh, implications for this? So like all the above, but yes, people's employment. Yeah, and it's, you know, and, and games being monetized and being, you know, turned into, you know, uh, or games or social media being monetized and turned into kind of uh, places to make money, which is crazy. But no, I, I think, I think that's really interesting. I think it is um, maybe partially intentional, but I think a big part of it is unintentional. It's just sort of like a consequence of this mentality that I, I believe um, Google helped bring into the world, which is a very different way to approach what it means to be a worker or what it means to, to have a job. Um, Cause Google is a place that, that has always been, you know, it's, it's a, not always been a big company, but it's, it's a big company and it's got a lot of people working for it, but they're a, a sort of a shining beacon of an example of like um, a place to work. That's different. Right. And, you know, to the point where like they don't want their, their employees to leave, work they want them to want to be at work all the time because they, they turn it into something that's enjoyable and you know whether it's the simple gamifying of their tasks or if it's sort of the the repositioning of the environment you know making things brightly colored and creative giving people the chance to literally take breaks to play games I, fuck i mean i i worked at a pharmaceutical company where i had time 15 minutes a day to go play foosball like you know th- that type of thing that i feel like you just didn't see 20 years ago and now it's becoming more commonplace there's definitely like uh yoga and you know i mean just to flip it to japan like they have people taking like forest breaks and nature bathing and stuff like that like i don't know yeah a lot of the, the current is changing but like as far as um have you heard of cybernetics and things like that like victor neumann um, I've heard the term cybernetics. I'm not super familiar with like modern day stuff. It's, very, it's like super easy for me to, <clears throat> I mean, a cult fan comes from Final Fantasy VIII. So I yep. understand leveling up and the concept of gamification and earning incentives and having a percentage of 
so like what I was thinking about is like from positive angle, like a lot of chaos magic is based on improving the percentage of something happening. Mm -hmm. And that's like, if you're leveling up at something, as far as your magic goes, you could simply look at it. How often are you manifesting your intentions like that? But right. to spin it back around to something like, you know, job jobifying the game or gamifying the job, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can find that a lot of people are worried that a lot of people are just being incentivized so that they repeat a particular function. So once they get to a particular amount of critical information gathered, that's just going to be replicated by something that doesn't need healthcare. It's like a robot. Like or if exactly. Right. I mean, you know, I think there are still jobs out there that require a lot of, you know, problem solving and creativity. And, um, you know, I also think that what's interesting is our, our economy is branching off into another type of economy, uh, an economy of makers. You know, I mean, that's something that's become huge. People pay big money for handmade stuff, you know, like almost whatever it is. You know, I, I spent some time um, a couple weeks ago and I, I took a, a stick, right? Like I went outside and I had like a branch, you know, and I sawed the ends off of it and I stripped the bark off of it. And I cut um, discs like, you know, half a centimeter thick each, right? I cut 24 discs and I spent some time wood burning the runes on them, the Futhark runes. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, but, you know, it, and it took three hours, but it was like something I just wanted to do. But I realized, like, I could do that multiple times and sell that product in a bag for like 30 bucks. I fully support that. That's like, yeah. Well, you could make it unique too. You could throw like some cool cedar incense in there or something or whatever. Sure. You could really, I mean, that's, that's fun. That's mm -hmm. cool, man. Yes, it's yeah. profitable. Yeah. But that's really cool. Like that's, um, that's another thing that's coming back into fashion. Like tarot cards is runes. Oh yeah, for um, sure. And we just went through belt. What was it? Beltane. Yeah. Beltane. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was yesterday. First, uh, yeah. It's May 2nd today. We're in the six of uh, the suns in the decan that's attributed to the tarot card of the six of pentacles right now. Oh, nice. Second Taurus. Okay. The that's, way that uh, the... Sorry. Oh, no, you, you're good. I was just thinking what, what planet it is. It's... Uh... I'm, try I'm trying to just remember what the sigil looks like. Right, let me... Do you know what it is? It's Taurus and what? What planet is it? Taurus is ruled by Venus. Yeah, no, for the six of coins. For the six of coins itself? Yeah. You're looking for like Thoth interpretation or something that would show that? I'm just trying to remember what my card looks like. <laughs> I have the, the tarot cards I made are sigils, so they're kind of all burned into my head. But um, sometimes I get confused. I know, I know roughly, I know what it looks like, the six of coins, but I can't remember what the planet is. Just gonna scroll here and find out what it looks like. I'm doing some research. Oh, the moon! It's the moon, of course. Oh, is it? Yep, it's the moon in Taurus. That's interesting. There's, that's the reverse of your sun. The tip for F being the sun, you know, six. 
Well, it would be a unification of the moon and the sun in a way, I suppose. Yeah. So let me ask you what you think about the star card in the Thoth Tarot. Um, specifically in that one? What's Why? going on with that spiraling event? Like, just, yeah, what's, what do you make of that? Well, I, I actually really like that. I think that that's sort of the, the energy of uh, life, right? Like, you know, um, who was it that said uh, everything that life does, it does in a spiral, right? Like, spirals are kind of prolific. They're, they're everywhere. They're kind of everything, you know? Um, if you think about our, our universe, you know, or, you know, if you think of our planet, right, our planet is spinning constantly around the sun, but the sun itself is also moving. So what we're doing, and there's actually really cool animations online, what, what our planet is doing is spiraling through the universe, you know, and likewise. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's like a, a spiral motion, but you can break it down, you know, all the way down to the atomic level. Things operate on spirals, right? Um, so I think that that motif is really, Honestly, I really like it because, you know, everything in that card is spiraling from, from the, you know, the, the seven-pointed star at the planet above down to um, the, the woman with her cups and, and pouring the liquid into the planet and everything. It's just all, all flowing like life. You know, you know what? I, I see that as like the, uh, the star that's coming out of there. I see it like the dark side of the moon when the light is broken into the seven different rays or the six different rays. Sure. So that's the life energy being spread into incarnation and she's metting it out into each soul. Like, so that's like each vessel. Fair enough. I can see that. It's just, I don't know. I just made that up. Well, that's interesting. Cause it gets Make split it up, up as it go along. It's Do you watch Dr. Who? You know, I don't. Okay. I've seen a handful of episodes, but I have not really watched it. Do you know which doctors you saw when you watched those handful? David Tennant and uh, Matt Smith and the one right before David Tennant. But well, I only saw like the very last episode of that one, like his, his like death scene and stuff. And I was also very, very tired that night. So I don't remember much of it. And it was like two and a half hours long or something crazy like that. But I do remember one episode with, I think with Matt Smith where I remember that there was a shark in the air, swimming around in the air. I don't remember why. I have not seen any of the Peter Capaldi ones. Capaldi is legendary. That's cool. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. So I feel like David Tennant was incredible. He's my favorite, probably. His range of it. Like, I'm, I'm sitting on a Doctor Who blanket. I'm drinking out of a Doctor Who mug. Nice. Wearing a Doctor Who t-shirt right now, so it's actually from Cannabox. It's a Stoner Doctor Who t-shirt. That's awesome. It's uh, Time Lords, so it's supposed to be like Lords Clothing Company. Time Lords. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's uh, got the 1963. I think it's interesting that um, JFK was assassinated basically the same day that Doctor Who was released. Wow! Really? That's crazy. Something about that, just uh, there's something there to explore, but we can move, we can just scoot right on past that. Oh man, wow! Yeah, so, um, all right, 
let's um let's fire her back up in about a 10 count or so we'll we'll get back to the zodiac and then we'll get into helping other people create and then i think we should just go as crazy as we can with whatever fun metaphysic we can start building on and try to pepper in those other i think we have three more questions that i got going on and yeah we're at the three mark right because i got you uh yeah i think so time period your favorite director and then your video game was the third one so yeah we got three more to go all right um so we're gonna 10 count back in and i'm just gonna say zodiac and you can go so 10 9 8 7 6 6 6 5 4 3 2 1 all right taylor so uh we're talking about the zodiac Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, when you brought that up before our break here, I was thinking about um, my, well, of course, I was thinking about my tarot deck, because the Zodiac, you know, it's got all these, uh, all the different um, astrological constellations and stuff, and those are are used in tarot, but I was also thinking there's a lot more than just the ones that are in tarot, there's a lot more than just 12 constellations, those are just kind of the 12 that we talk about a lot, but um, there's an app that you can get on your phone uh, called sky map. It used to be part of Google. I don't know if it still is, but it's a great app. That's what yeah, I it's, use. It's super cool. And yeah, I, we were just talking learn, about it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I've been using it to learn, learn the constellations. Cause like I'm a Leo, right? I was born in August and I don't, I didn't know, like I know the big difference. You had to do that. Like a Leo. I'm a Leo. I was born in August. You had to, you had right. to do it that way. Yeah. I, I'm a Leo moon. I, I appreciate. What's your sun sign? I forget. What is it? What's what's your sun sign? My sun, I love my sun sign. Uh, I was born on zero zero, so I'm an equinox baby. I'm a zero zero Libra degree. Okay. I have the I have the Leo moon that was the one that caused the um, great American eclipse. You recall in 2017 in August? Sure. Yeah, that was caused by a 28 degree Leo moon, and that's the moon that I have. Nice. That's cool. So, I I just re remembered today listening to Eclipse that uh, when you think about the dark side of the moon, when the sun is eclipsed by the moon, that's Leo. That's my Leo moon. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, um, that's that's a really good song, dude. The whole album, though. Okay, so here's another a perfect here's album. Another question for you. Here's a we'll, we'll interject the zodiac for a quick question. Okay, what is the most legendary? thematic album of music and you can choose any genre that you could feel like you would say is your favorite of all time Ooh, i am a huge fan of an album by the decemberists called the hazards of love it's uh it's hard to explain um do you do you know about the decemberists you know what kind of music they are what sort of stuff they do well, I don't know the Hazards of Love, but I'm familiar very much so with their 2005-ish and up till 2007 or 8-ish. Eli the Barrow Boy, all the earlier sure. stuff. Yeah. Yep. Not, so, uh, not the one you're talking about. Hazards of Love is uh, it's a concept album, you know, kind of like The Wall or, or Dark Side of the Moon or Lateralis or any of those things, right? Um, it's a concept of uh, this story between... Um, two lovers um margaret and i think william um and kind of their 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 twists and turns through the woods as they they try to find each other and inevitably um 
run into all the hazards of love, right? And they, they face these complications and challenges. But I don't know, it's just, it's always captured me whenever I listen to it. It's always, it always makes me cry. It, you know, it's just a very touching album. But I do, I do very much like The Wall as well. The Wall is, and we talked about the Downward Spiral earlier too. That was one of the biggest um, albums that influenced me during like late high school, early college, uh, like first year of college pretty much. But um, The Wall was, was like, one of my favorite albums in high school and it remains it remains one of my favorite albums i think it holds up really well i mean the archetypal profundity that the wall presents it cuts through you in so many different ways right it touches all of those major like there's got to be three really rough patches that a man archetypally in our society could go through and without all the you know, digging into the scenes and the themes, it addresses each of those in a way that's like profoundly humanistic, but also psychologically adroit to the point where it shatters all your ability to disconnect from it. It's almost like it reaches in and becomes everyone. It's everyone who's ever listened to that and really gotten it. Right. You know, it's it's like they're like, wow, that's he's he's coming from like the the zero point. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, kind of like feeling feeling a part of that sort of uh, that egregore of 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 pink. Egregore is great. Well, but yeah, but I mean, like the thing is, like it can only become an egregore because there was something to glom onto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that's, you know, because, <clears throat> like, I mean, we have talked about The Wall. The, the character that, that they create, uh, uh, who they call Pink Floyd, right, um, is is sort of this, like, every man of the, the drug, sex, and rock and roll, you know. And I, I think people do latch onto that in a lot of ways, but not because of the, the glamour and stuff, but because of the, you know, like, the father who died in war or, you know, the, the you know, um, overly protective mother or, or whatever, right? Like there's, there's a lot of aspects of, of that character that people would latch onto. And I think that's what helps people identify with it, you know, so much. Do you have, you have a favorite song from that album? Well, I'll jump into that, but like you raised a great point because we did, um, one of the major themes is that lack of father figure, right? And that's an archetypal dominant that seems to be increasing in these times and this type of society that we've gotten into, which seems to be increasingly more fragmentary and talking about building walls. A lot of people are getting isolated in these digital prisons, right? I mean, that's a very serious modern day danger that was not extant necessarily 15 years ago. Um, But yeah, so um, I think that, you know, the, the, one of the resounding powers of the wall is of course, how ubiquitous the concept of like a thing is either connected or disconnected, right? There's, that's a, it's a real, like that's, I think that's the real dichotomous nature. That's the yin yang aspect of it quickly. Yeah. Favorite song. (laughs) I want to be tricksy and say when the tigers broke free, but it's not my favorite song. Is uh, that is that on the wall? So it's in the movie, and right? He, okay, and then he puts it on Final Cut, okay. which is that famous Gilmore insult where he says, "Well, if it wasn't good enough for the wall, why is it good enough for now?" That's fair. <laughs> I, I never, I never liked, I never liked Final Cut. 
I was that was my least favorite for a long time. I mean, like you know, they have fifteen albums, right? Sure. Yeah. There's that a lot is, of them. Hmm. There's a lot of them. That's the twelfth, I believe, because the wall was the eleventh. Uh, Animals was ten. Wish you were here was nine. Dark side was eight. Uh, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But um, the final cut was always my least favorite. Like, Gil, if if you had to, like, are you a Gilmore or a Roger Waters kind of guy? Um, I'm I'm more of a Waters fan, unfortunately. <laughs> so the final cuts are one of your least, but yet you're yeah. still more Waters. Yeah, I just don't like the direction that he took with with that because I thought the the type of stuff that was in the final cut was my least favorite part about the wall in general. Um, sonically, I guess, like the way it sounded, I just didn't like that. Like, I, I enjoy Gilmore's stuff, but I feel like sometimes it's a little too floaty. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's still good stuff. I was always a Gilmore guy for you know, just you know, happens. You know, you're you usually one or the other. <laughs> um, sometimes I'm more of a Sid Barrett kind of guy, though. Well, there's there's the pepper right there. I mean, we're talking about later, Floyd, but of course, yeah. you include the whole pantheon. Yep. It's hard not <laughs> to choose Sid because he's so he's if it weren't for him, right? I just saw Nick Mason and his saucer full of secrets. Okay. And I liked how he referred to himself as the heartbeat of Pink Floyd. Because you know that dark side of the moon starts and ends with a cyclical heartbeat. Right. And he literally is the heartbeat of Pink Floyd. Given speaking of infinity, of course, dark side of the moon being on the uh, on the charts for so long mm-hmm. it was the eighth album, which is the infinity. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And it was also inside. Here's something that a lot of people don't know, which I think is it's important. It bears mentioning we all are familiar with the famous glyph of the pyramid with the white beam going in and beaming and being split into the rainbow yeah mm -hmm. everyone knows that but inside there's actually in the in the classic one which is the one to pay attention to original sources right you find a pyramid spread on a poster of the the purple the purple poster yeah is it purple it's like a it's like a grayish purple or mauve mauve color. I don't know. So I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. I think that we're having a really good time talking about uh, everything that we would like to talk about on a podcast about art, spirituality, and healing. So I hope you're enjoying yourselves. And if you haven't run out and gotten yourself a copy of the Sigil Arcanum Tarot. Now's a great time to do that, uh, no matter when you're listening to this. <laughs> and, and this is also the part in the show where those who have donated between $50 and $200 will get their message read and names and deets and things like that. And with that, that led us back to the show. It is a, um, as far as I can remember, my friend has it. My friend's an old stoner. Uh, and he has it on his wall. And I remember it being mostly like a goldish, tannish, yellowish color, but with a greenish sky. But the point is this. The point is this. It has the three pyramids from Giza. 
which means so much more when you consider that it was included as the inner poster material for one of the most seminal albums of all time. Right. I always wondered why it was in there. So yeah, but it's so that was released in 1973. So, anyways, just interesting. Um, so interesting to know. So moving forward, we were talking about the Zodiac. <laughs> now we're yeah. going to shift into talking about because you're, you know, there, there's that ever nebulous word that's so hip and modern today. You're a creator. Sure. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, but you are making you are putting a lot of your soul's effort and day's effort and time's effort into creating something that you know is going to make a difference in the magical community. And it's not just, um, it's not just some fly by night thing. You have, you have, you, you are a, you are someone who is a craftsperson who has a high level of skill, competence and knowledge in what you're doing. So I guess, what are some of the things that you've run into that are stumbling blocks that you could help other people with? Sure. That are um, yeah, so I mean, the whole, this whole process with the tarot deck thing has been a learning experience, right? Um, it's, it's not my first Kickstarter, but it's the first Kickstarter that I had total control over. I, uh, I helped out a friend of mine launch Kickstarter last summer for a board game. You know, and he uh, he's trying to make this board game about spaceships, you know, racing. And, uh, we put this Kickstarter together, but it just wasn't doing as well. It, it only made like two thousand um, dollars. I think, you know, I think what I've learned since then is to reach out to people who um, who know more than you. You know, uh, I, I met a lot of really good people who who did have experience, um, and I was able to reach out to them and say, hey, you know, I'd love to shadow you for a day. I'd love to, I'd love to talk to you about how, how you are doing it. Right. I know, you know, to kind of find those resources, but beyond that to like, to, you know, take the initiative to, to like look online too. like, you know, people who are wanting to go about creating something like, like I did with this tarot deck, I didn't know what I needed to do. You know, I, I didn't know if I was going to publish it. I didn't know what type of, things I would need, you know, what types of things I would need to consider. So, you know, looking up a lot of those things was, was really important. But, um, have you, have you done test prints yet and stuff like that? Yeah, I've, I've printed probably, uh, probably a dozen decks so far. Um, that's, that's also been, been pretty helpful kind of finding the, the, the resources for like the print shops. Um, but I think, you know, just doing it every day, right? Like, getting getting to it you know at some point during the day and putting in a little bit of effort whether that's just like staring at the images on my computer screen and going yeah they still look okay or (laughs) or or spending time writing the book every day or talking you know sending emails talking to my printers or talking to um you know reviewers or or whoever right just just doing something about it every day i heard someone say as long as you keep moving the ball forward each day that's a really good that's a really good quote. Yeah, I like that. It's so simple. Yeah. I, well, I pre- Sisyphus too, right? Like <laughs> you're 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 rolling a boulder up a hill. I mean because that's that's what work is, right? It doesn't matter what kind of work it is, but if you enjoy doing something, if you're if you're making it, you know, 
make it happen. You just have to do it every single day. You just have to always, not always be doing it, but always be focused on the next opportunity and the next thing you can do with it. Right. So some to recap some brief, some of your main advice would be to find those who know more than you Mm -hmm. see what they do. See, learn from experience, learn from them, get never be afraid to ask for help. That's sage advice. I was, um, I was wondering, I asked you about if you had printed some of the decks because I've seen, um, so this is crazy. Of course it's not because this is just how it works. But, um, I was, I funded Arthur Wang's true black tarot deck. Yeah. Do you have one? I do. I'm holding it right now. Oh man. Yeah. So he, yeah. So by your reaction, yes, I feel like other people are going to have that with you, by the way. This is just where I'm. So he funded your project. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that for a copy. (laughs) I love that guy. I'm friends with him on Facebook. We've, uh, we've talked back and forth. He's, he's actually one of the people I reached out to, to, to say, Hey, how did you do that? Like, what, what do I need to know? What kinds of things do I need to keep in mind? And he was remarkably open and telling Oh, me he's what. great. Yeah. He's, he's a very, very nice guy, Arthur. He's in Boston, you know. Yep. He's, he's also the whole reason I made the stereotype. <laughs> See, this is how I, this works. Yes. I, um, I, <laughs> So the whole point of, of this deck, really, like my, my big impetus behind it was I wanted to make a tarot deck that was all black because yep. I saw the true black tarot online and yep. I went, that's, that's not entirely black. That's not like, you know, the whole thing is in black, right? It's yep. still got some color on it. I was like, what would an all black tarot deck look like? And, and, you know, I told him about this. I, I sent him the idea. I was like, what do you, you know, this is what I'm thinking. Like, I want to do this. You know, how, how would I do it? He goes, that's a terrible idea. Don't do that. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you should absolutely not make it black on black on both sides of the cards. <laughs> and I said, I, I respect your opinion, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. no, oh my gosh. Super cool guy. He's, um, I have a story about the, um, so on the decks, you can actually get, um, your choice oh, yeah. of Zodiac yep. and, uh, I got, as you can see, I have Sirius there in a circle and okay. then I have Orion highlighted mm-hmm. and then I have watch the weather change. Hey, hey that's super cool. <laughs> it's all in gold on the box. Yeah. It's a magnetically sealed box. It's cardboardish. It's pretty dense you know you can see yep it's you can see you can yep so um you know there's a story about the origin of all of uh the, for another time in another place but yeah oh do you do you have one of the misspelled hierophant cards no i didn't um i didn't bother having him send one out i figured he was having enough trouble with it i so, so, so yours is misspelled no i didn't bother getting one with that well, no, because the the original ones were misspelled, and then he he was going to send out corrections. So yeah, he, no, he sent those out, and I chose to bypass and wait till he corrected the decks. Okay, gotcha. So you, you got one after it was already fixed. I chose to wait. I have okay, cool. two of the prototype. He actually sent because something got hosed up. He sent me two prototype cards instead of one. So okay. I guess it's ca- karmically worked itself out or something. Cool. 
I have a Six of Swords prototype card. That's awesome. So there, there you go. It worked out. Nice. Um, no, you know, I know he had the misspelled ones. I didn't want to hassle him with all of that. You know, I, I just, I yeah. for something, I just, I'm like, you know what? No, you know what? I'll wait till it's all up and ready, and you've got the printing all set. Because there was a lot of iterations of printings through. There's so that's the reason I wanted to ask you about what that was like. Because there's a lot of people who are doing work on different projects. Doesn't have to be a tarot deck. There's all these kind of things that come down the pipeline that are practical, very, you know, you got to work with a lot of different layers of, so, and there's and it's people who might like, oh, he, what if they drop their end of it? There's all these different things that come into play. So that's another angle I was wondering if you could help other types of creators out there that might be like thinking about something like this kind of venture. What if, yep. Because Arthur's learned a lot. I've, as a member of the Kickstarter, I've seen a bit. You know, he'll he's one thing he does well that anyone could do, and this is a ubiquitous um, piece of um, advice: keep people in the loop. Don't yes, do it absolutely. overly often, but keep them in the loop as often as is right. That's transparency is the name of the game. Um. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that um, overcoming some of those hurdles, like when you run into production issues like he ran into, not not just with, with like, you know, with like um, when he found out the, the cards, uh, the backs were bleeding through to the, the fronts or, or however, you know, whichever was going on. Um, breathing, you know, just breathe, really. Like if you're, if you're in a situation where what you're trying to do isn't quite working how you want it to, don't let that get to you. Just keep keep breathing and keep pushing forward because I live by this motto. Um, if you can dream it, you can build it. If, if you can come up with something, you can make it a reality. It's, it's as simple as that. You know, it's, it's very similar to the motto in dark souls. If you can hit it, you can kill it. So <laughs> just well, just uh, keep pushing. Do you like Henry? Well, that is good advice. Persistence. Calvin Coolidge has a great quote about persistence that I'm not going to conjure up, but it's there. So now we can add it to that. But um, you must like Henry David Thoreau. Yeah, I, I do like Thoreau a little bit. Yeah, why? <laughs> well, he has this quote about it's all right if you've built your dreams in the castles in the sky or in the clouds. Now build the foundations under them to meet those castles. That's that's yeah. There you go. That's pretty cool. I don't think I've read that particular bit, but um, I have thorough quotes all over the place and I have this tie-dye shirt that everyone thinks is Abraham Lincoln, but it's got Henry David Thoreau's face on it and on the I back see. it has like like a concert t-shirt, but it's all his books uh, <laughs> they were released. Nice. Uh, I, I like I'm a fan, yeah. So um we've talked about some of the, the you know I, I'm glad we paid homage to Arthur definitely as just as a creative person definitely deserves uh especially on a sixth episode of a six of swords when he create you know it's, it's kind of a nice little um tarot creators should get love too <laughs> there we yeah. go um, for, for real if you guys you know whoever's listened to this if you have not seen the true black tarot oh, please do yourself a favor and go check it out because it is it is one of the most well-crafted tarot decks like ever made like That's period it's, it's incredible yeah he's holding it right now no it's it's just so well done and it's gorgeous and he works so hard on it yeah oh my gosh 
Yeah, no, it's, it's, it really shows. And, and, and I, I want to say, you know, I was, I was joking earlier, said that, you know, um, I, I wanted to make a deck that was really black. You know, I, I think the true black tarot is, is one of the most inspiring projects I've ever seen because that, that was a Kickstarter that I saw that like actually, you know, was able to meet and exceed its goals, you know, and, and people, people seem to like it so much. And I thought, you know, that's, it's really inspiring. I want to, I want to give that a shot, <laughs> but I'll, I also wanted to say with, with the, the Kickstarter that I'm doing right now, um, I sort of launched it on a whim. I didn't, you know, I, I kind of know a little bit about how Kickstarter works. And one thing that happens sometimes is the first time you launch a project, it won't fund and you can cancel it instead of letting it fail. And Interesting. Yeah, if you cancel it, you can relaunch it later, but you can change it. So I, I was sort of expecting, I, I launched the project originally because people people kept telling me like, hey, when's your project going to launch? When's it going to be on there? And I kept that's going, a, that's a good sign. Yeah. yeah. But then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. It's been, you know, it's been soon for, for, you know, since over a year at this point, right? So I'll just launch it right now. And I literally was just like sick in bed one day. And on, I think, I guess on April 11th and I just pressed launch on my phone. And after that, I realized, Oh, there's a lot of things I should have fixed before I did that. There's a lot of things like in the project description, which thankfully I could edit, but in the reward tiers, which I can't edit now that people have selected them. Um, so, you know, uh, because of Kickstarter, if, if it funds, I'm, I'm, you know, obligated to, deliver what I promised, which is fine. I, you know, if, if it funds, I should have the money to deliver what I promised, which is good. It's just my vision for what I want to do has changed a little bit since then. But, um, like for instance, uh, the $10 tier is for a limited edition print that I have set at a six by nine inch, but I kind of want to change it to a 12 by 18 inch. Uh, but that's not something that I can like very easily, you know, um, change cause it's you already, know what, you know what I would imagine like, and just like what I, just from what I've seen Arthur do, just to say is like you could always ask everyone who has a tier already if they're all right with you changing it to that yeah a lot of people are very understanding and if you're providing the value should not be any friction there true i don't know just yeah. an idea and it's kind of an upgrade too so i'm, I'm yeah sure i'm bored with it here's the six of swords in the true black by the way oh it's so cool yeah is the the text is all shiny, right? The text is shiny at the bottom there. Yeah. It's kind of hard to see on these cameras. Yeah. They have the uh, six too. Yeah. It's, um, it's just a Roman numeral six with a line at the bottom. Oh, it's just a simple. Oh yeah. There you go. Wow. Yeah. That, that's showing up now. Oh yeah. That looks so good. It's a uh, claymores. He uses different swords for each of the, uh, sword types. They're very cool. Nice. He's even got like Egyptian um hook. Well, let me show you. Oh yeah, like a, a sickle basically. What is that? What is that called? Well, it's a particular Egyptian one, and, and so I don't know the name of it. But okay. yeah, it's a it's a it's a curved blade for sure. Yeah. It is it, you. I think that anyone listening would recognize it to look at least some kind of like a Syrian or Egyptian or something like that. But anyways, yeah. Um. So, 
we're moving quite along. We got a we got a couple of got a couple of uh, we we're we're nearing towards the end of this, but we're uh, got a couple of more questions to go. So I guess um, this is it, you know we're this is part of the six questions I ask. This is kind of a, an odd one, but uh, you know sure. we, can, we can do that. What do you think about reincarnation? Ooh. Okay. Hmm. I think I think it's probably so complicated we can't understand it with our puny little human brains. But um, you know, gosh, there's just so many different ways it could go. Like we could we could be individuated souls that transcend our bodies and then reincarnate into new bodies, but we're the same souls, so maybe we retain memories or something. Or it could be one of my personal favorite theories, which I like to call the bucket of souls. So we all exist in some big bucket of souls somewhere, or, or other people describe it as a lake, right? And each one of us is sort of a drop from that. And we're, when we're taken out of it, we become this individualized thing. But when we return after we die, we return to this great big bucket of souls, right? And we're just mixed in with the rest of the souls. And then, and then when we are taken out again, maybe we have a little bit of ourselves, but maybe we have a little bit of, you know, uh, Abraham Lincoln, you know, or Henry David Thoreau or whoever else. Right. And I kind of like that idea, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know that we could really understand something like that, but I'll tell you what, I think there's something to the idea of Samstara. I think we're trapped here, you know, so to speak, not like necessarily a prison, but like, I think we're stuck in this cycle until we're able to break out of it in the same tradition that brings us samsara you find the bodhisattva who reaches nirvana almost but decides to stay until all humans have reached enlightenment and they vowed not to rejoin buddhahood bucket or buddha the buddha bucket right the buddha bucket yeah there you go sounds like the world's strangest summer shack but anyways (laughs) I got those Maui pineapple burgers at the Buddha bucket, bro. Nice. So anyways, that's a thing now, right? <laughs> they put shakes there for sure. Anyways. The Buddha bucket. Top. All right. All right. All right. So anyways, Buddha bucket. Yeah. When people who are so advanced, they almost can rejoin or get into Nirvana, but pass some Sarah, you know, cause if it's like the yin yang, if there exists a control mechanism, every little bit of everything has something else. So there, it also contains the the cure to getting out of the control mechanism. Right. Yeah. And the bodhisattvas, some cool ass mofos, masters, if mm-hmm. you will, who decide to stick around and help. Uh, that's from that's the way I'm understanding. Um, you know what we call ascended masters recently, like any tradition, Christian, you know, the saints. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder, I, I'm just, I'm wondering if you could say that they play a similar role in our general spiritual culture around this world. Oh yeah, I think so. Like are the saints bodhisattvas, you know? Um, not necessarily. You know, I think, I think that depends on what saint and what they've done and stuff like that. But I think a lot of the times, um, you know, the, the people who are, venerated well that's that's the tricky because like saints are venerated right and bodhisattvas are are more like warriors right like they're they choose to stick around because of like a moral obligation you know the saints i don't know i feel like saints are kind of 
it's bestowed upon them, right? Because of things they've done, if that makes sense. Because like some of them get martyred, for example, right? And it shows their conviction to the dedication of the belief system or the experience they had under okay. that rubric of that experience. I mean, I'm just drawing a connect. One connection would mm-hmm. be like, that's one thing that saint has done is, uh, you know, experienced that Christ, like, like why is Christ so beloved? You know, Bodhisattva's show in the same light that, you know, you can keep striving for that higher perfection and, you know, it can be attained by a human. Mm-hmm. What's even more powerful is the fact that they've chosen to deny that in a way. And it shows, look, even up until this point, it's still a matter of free will. Mm-hmm. You'll have to make your bed and sleep in a kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Which I think like that brings us to like the idea of chaos magic and improving probabilities. And if this world is a whole bunch of us trying to improve probabilities, what do you think about the idea of like timing? You know, like what if we wanted war to like stop from happening? Would we start to like have like global groups of people at a certain time period planetarily all intend one thing? Do you know what I mean? I think, I think that, um, okay. Uh, call me paranoid. I, I think that war is perpetuated by magic already. So I think it would be very difficult. You'd need a lot of people. And I think that the timing is a really interesting thing. You know, I was just listening to um, Riker and Stark on uh, Where Did the Road Go the other day. I don't know if you listened to that or not. Um, it's Riker and Stark are two um, Austrian guys who do a podcast that they were uh, on Where Did the Road Go kind of sharing some of their own personal experiences. And um, one of them was telling a story about uh, time loops or, or sort of kind of an interesting interesting thing involving like doing the same thing on the same day multiple years apart but feeling like those experiences bled into each other and like who he was at that time linked up with and was able to talk to who he was at that other time um, kind of a thing so it was, it was really interesting I know you just mentioned the timing of, of magical things that, that popped into my head but I think like to answer your question a little more enough people could do it right like you know you'd, you'd need a lot of people and I think that you'd need to do it sort of in a wave right like like you'd need to start somewhere but you'd need to like follow it along the sun you know uh, the sun's like you know progression around the earth in a day that kind of a thing um lunar lunar calendar as well of course oh yeah yeah and 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 it wouldn't be a single day event it would be it would be a you know a continual effort that would have to and like i've heard that i think um i think it was michael hughes that's talking about this um some big group uh or you know like witches all over the place uh doing certain spells around i think it was the equinoxes or maybe the waning moon or something to get trump out of office um you know involving certain certain things right so like that type of magic happens you know like people people come together to do things well, in a disjointed way well but, that magic happens a lot all the time i was just bringing the idea up because well for one thing I bet Trump's magicians have an egregore that eats other people's magic <laughs> because it actually somehow is allowed because of his weird super and it's nothing personal. It's just all of the Leo that he has in his chart and all of that fire energy. 
Yeah. He feeds off of this stuff. So, like, it seems like that has obviously backfired tremendously. It's not something that's going to ever work during the time that he's president. (laughs) I don't know. You know, and I mean, I guess since we mentioned Thoreau, I speak all utopianly and say, can we, but I guess it's not really our business to, you know, (laughs) try to start a movement right now of chaos magicians. So, you know, just let that happen naturally. But uh, the point is, um, we have a few more minutes going on here. I got at least one more question that I'm going to pretend that I had written down ahead of time that I'm totally not making up as I go along because so speaking of Zodiac going kind of circling back around to the movie or the, uh, the topic right on. Um, <laughs> yes. The, um, the, uh, the idea that um, your, your rising sign, cause you have a Leo son. Yep. What is your rising sign? Cause I wanted to talk about perfections a bit here tonight. Do you, could, do you want to guess what my rising sign is? Not frankly, right now. Okay. It uh, it's Virgo. I had a feeling it was an Earth sign, but okay, yeah. that's interesting. Actually, been, there's been a lot of Virgo around me lately. The oh yeah, really? Yes. Okay. So, in, in good ways. Is, is it really way? Virgo? You're not putting us on then. It's uh, yep. yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, Virgo rising, yeah. And your moon. A moon is Aquarius, and I was also born on a full moon. Ooh, nice. Good one. Um, do you know what the Lunar Mansion was by any chance? I don't. I okay. don't know. So Capricorn is what you're – so what we're – okay. <clears throat> what we're getting into is about time lords and what they call in astrology proficiencies. And okay. these are when – this is a cycle of 12. It's a way of keeping – um, track of certain themes that are going to be prevalent and you can find out who the planetary ruler of your year is. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you are obviously beginning with um, Mercury for your first zero to one year when you were born, right? Mm-hmm. Then your first year of life is going to be the next one, which would obviously be Libra and then so on. Your third year of life is in Scorpio. So when you turn 12, it's going to be your rising sign again for that year. But the point is, okay, I see. Mm -hmm. When you look at who's, you know, who now, which one is the theme for this year? Like, so for the 13th year for you, it's going to be Libra, you know, who rules Libra? Well, Libra is ruled by Venus. So there's going to be, you know, and it's your second house. So that's going to be usually about money for you. Like the age of 30 or 25, there's a possibility. Basically, this is like the generalist way it works. Proficiencies is that's going to be about second house issues for you primarily or uh, fourth house or, you know, so on, you know, seven partnerships, things like that. Mm -hmm. So that's, so I was just like, I've had proficiencies on my mind, so I figured I'd ask about that, and now people have that on their radar if they didn't have it before. Yeah, that's super cool. I've, I've had a couple of astrology readings before, but I'm, I don't know much about the houses. I need to learn more about that stuff. Wheels within wheels, right? Yep, exactly, yeah. I'm a uh, Pisces rising, so I, I relish the, um, the psychic opportunities mm-hmm. gifted by that. It's um, a Jupiter-ruled sign. Okay. And you said you're a Libra, right? A sun sign? 
Yeah, like that's one of the things that we um that I want to like massage into parlance is like I say it too, but I'm not a Libra, right? I it's like I'm not my head. You're not your head, Taylor. You're not your hand. So mm-hmm. you're 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 your Mercury or Venus or exactly, yeah. Um, and of course, like there's the whole thing with like if you're born in six a.m. till six p.m., you have a much easier time with the malefic Saturn than you do Mars. And if you're born from 6 p.m. till 6 a.m., much easier time with the malefic Mars. You have a much harder time with the malefic Saturn. That's how the two malefics break down as far as night and day charts go. Fascinating. And um, yeah, so let's uh, let's go with another question about. Uh, here's one for you. What's your favorite entheogen and your most intense experience that you can? share right here oh man um oof. can we talk about those things <laughs> okay uh, well, this is a, okay so just to make a clear point this is a show about art spirituality and healing yeah mm-hmm. and healing is the key word right here mm-hmm. so yes we absolutely should talk about those things okay um gosh you know um in theory i really i, I want to try um ayahuasca I I've I've never done it, but I, I think it looks it seems really interesting. It seems like the kind of experience that um is life changing in a way. Um you know, uh I otherwise like of, of things that I've had more experience with, I would say I really enjoy um acid i think that's that's pretty fun i don't quite consider it an entheogen as much as i do the more natural plant plant plant-based teachers um but i I think that the the headspace that it puts you into is still interesting enough to be considered in the same kind of spiritually awakening sort of way um i uh (laughs) i'm i tried mushrooms one time and i had i had a very intense experience um it it lasted much shorter than i thought it was going to last it was only about four hours um and you know it 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 was the most interesting thing was that it came in waves right like it was it was intense all at once and then it kind of went and i was more sober and then it was back and it was gone and it was back and it was gone And and i was like i don't really know how to deal with this like this was really intense right but the the most interesting thing that happened i was i was taking a shower and i was just kind of like had my eyes closed and was just kind of feeling the water on me and i saw all of these shapes in my in my you know closed vision right like i saw all these like neon blue shapes and they were like angles and and like semicircles and and i was like wow you know there's so many of these shapes and it was like a repeating pattern all over the place right in all in the entirety of my field of vision and I focused in on it, and then all of a sudden, what I was focusing in on changed, and it turned. It was the head of a stag, and it it turned side profile. It turned and looked at me like very like like focus in, you know. And as soon as it did that, the rest of the repeating patterns also turned and looked at me, and it was it was millions and millions of this like just copies of this like head of a stag with antlers and and you, I could see the eyes and I could see the nose and everything was in this this pure detail like it was you know it was just so clear but it was so small and it was repeated millions of times and I, I that experience 
blew me away. And I was like that, you know, when I, when I saw that, I felt like I was looking into the experience of the mushroom and I felt like it was looking back at me. Right. I really like the stag connection to mushrooms, how reindeer are the magic reindeer that are seen to fly or because of the shamans eating the. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, just, in, uh, I, I don't know. That's just what, I mean, like, that's an amazing experience. Like how, you know, you know how it goes. How can you, how can I possibly say beyond, you know, that was your experience. I was, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I can't like size it up with words. That would be, but it does sound beautiful. It sounds intense. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you really got a, a, a side, like a real lived experience of that. We're not just this human flesh pod. Uh, I don't know. It was, it was interesting. I don't know if I would take anything away from it in terms of meaning other than, well, I don't know. I mean, I've, it did feel like there was something there. It felt like, it felt like I was, I was looked at you. Right. Yeah, it it, it did. (laughs) And it was, it was so strange because I felt like it was a part of me, but I felt like it was something else too, you know, and I've I've never seen it before since, but I will say, I will say when almost every time that I've, that I've done acid in the past. Um, when I would close my eyes, I would see taking up my vision one big circular eye, one one giant iris and, and pupil, right, um, or retina, I guess, and pupil, you know, or whatever, and and just yep. like this massive open eye every time. Every time I would do it, um, I feel like I feel like I know what you're talking about. It's, it's interesting. Uh, and I, one of the, one of the first times I did that, I, I was, uh, I was really big into tool at the time. So I was listening to third eye and yep. it was, yeah, it was a very interesting experience. But, I feel like I can identify. Yeah. Fair. Speaking <laughs> of tool, new tool guitar just came out today. Yeah. I, uh, I think I saw that that was, uh, posted by the Adam book. Jones. Okay. Yeah, I watched that. I, th- I think it came out. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I saw that. Um, like it was pretty. That's my. Resp- it sounds like they really put, you know, elementally as if they took each of their previous entries in their catalog, treated them as separate elements, and then placed them together in this next album. Just from that one little guitar lick alone, it seems like that's. The, a brief feel i'm very excited um you know i mean i've only been waiting since 2012 but like some huh? people i've only been waiting since 2012 but some people have been waiting for you know 16 years 13 since 2006 oh yeah there you go 13 13 years i thought it was 2003 you're right though yeah when they said 10,000 days though they weren't messing around they're like you guys are going to be waiting a while <laughs> oh man oh, yeah it's it's been a while that's for sure um i really appreciate you coming on and talking with me tonight yeah for sure man i feel like we talked um i hope we we covered enough about the tarot i think so yeah Uh, i'll just say real quick then just to recap that um the tarot kickstarter ends on may 11th so please if you want to support it get in there before may 11th preferably before may 10th help this thing come to life um Thank you so much. You're here. Um, we we yeah we got about a 15 minute pad here. So like before we go, before we go, before we go. Cool. So I guess it's fitting that we mess around, we muck about, we do a quick uh, bit of tarot ourselves, and 
quickly ask you a couple of things while we mess with the tarot, while we're doing a multiple multitasking. What is your favorite spread? My favorite spread. Oh man. I don't use spreads very much. Okay. When I do, I pretty much always use the Celtic cross. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I don't like it that much. I like, I, I, I feel like it's a little too bloated, but it's, it makes the most sense to me. And I just, that's what I go to. It's a good solid method. And I, I, there's nothing wrong with it. I, I personally use the tree of life spread where it's a, uh, make a tree of life and then go down that way. Like the 10 spheres of the tree of life. Exactly. Uh, there's a slight change up, uh, in the middle area, but uh, you put the significator in the, in the center, kind of like a da'ath, and then okay. you, you put a kether up, and then the da 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 Interesting. That's, that's, yeah, I, I, I'll show you later. I can, uh, yeah. It's a good spread. I learned it from the Gareth Knight's tarot deck, um, okay. which is released in 1984, which I got at my home magic store. All sorts of crazy sinks. As it does. So I, I wanted to ask you what you think synchronicities are, too, while we're on the horn. Oh, man. Just in general, what I think they are? Yeah, because I've been having evolving understanding of them lately. Like, it's just, they've always been there. It's just kind of like right. the way that the manifestations speak to us. That's how the magic happens. But it's also us dialoguing with the dream. Yeah, I think it is sort of like, you know, and, and we talked a little on Hellier about about this, too. Uh, but I think I think it is sort of like that, like almost deja vu element, right? Like the idea that uh, a sort of peering peering through the veil in a way, right? Um, through through the looking glass, so to speak, right? Like being being able to kind of like pick back the curtain and see um, the machinery, if you will, right? Um, because it's patterns, you know, it's same with tarot. It's same with everything like that. It's all, it's all repetition of patterns, you know, like, like the stag that I saw, right. It's all, it's all kind of this, um, big, like, like you said earlier, wheels within wheels, you know, everything is just this massive interlocked, you know, inter, inter revolving complex system of, of repeating patterns. And some of them begin new and some of them end and everything like that. I think synchronicities are when those things line up in such a way that we're able to grasp them. We're able to like look at them, you know, see them for what they really are rather than just the background noise that makes everything happen. Okay. Damn. I don't know if I, I'm just going to be like, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Indubitably. Fair enough. I may have something to say at a further time, but um, no, I mean like, yeah, I don't even know if I could uh, directly assess. Like, there was a few things in there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm all over the place sometimes. No, 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 dude. We're, that's the fun. It's it's fun to think about this stuff, and it's um, I like quoting Wittgenstein. Not to sound smart, because it sounds like Wittgenstein, but because he said that it's not how the world is, but that the world is. That is the mysterious. Yes. It sums it up. It's fortune cookieing the ultimate question. Is that in in the Tractatus or is that in just some something he wrote? I don't know if it's in the Tractatus. I have not read the Tractatus. Oh my god. It's or the re, nor his rebuttal or whatever, yeah. It's it's pretty ridiculous. It's a lot of things. I wanted to ask you about podcasts. Oh sure. Oh, I'm, I'm making a podcast by the way. Are you? Good. Yeah. We can 
Okay, we can have I'm, that. I'm gonna I'm gonna have you on, hopefully. <laughs> that would hey, probably hey, you wanna be on my podcast. <laughs> that would probably happen. I was I'll, I'll give that a high percentage of yeah, thumbs up. Cool. Um dude, okay. One of the reasons I asked you about the favorite time period that you were in. Right. I feel like um so and I asked you about reincarnation. You know, I feel like there's part of our souls that like cry out to be in a certain kind of location. And yeah. to add in the Zodiac, I kind of wonder if there's not like, you know, certain places I, in the world that the planets would dictate are the most friendly for you to live. And I think that I've had my planets laid out over a map and I've seen like for me, Washington and Oregon and places up in the North Pacific Northwest, that seems like that's a Venus area for me. There's Boston's like a Mars area. Interesting. So moving okay. over there would be a very peaceful, it'd be much more. So I don't know. Like that's just a concept. I was wondering, what do you think about that? Do you, would you put stock into that? If you saw some more about that? I would love to see where my planets fall on a map of the United States. That'd be, or, or just the world in general, but that, that'd be really interesting. Um, it's funny that you mentioned Washington and Oregon first. I mean, I, I guess they're pretty popular areas, but those, those are some of the places I felt the most called to in yeah. the world. Um, I, I've realized more recently that I really love Minnesota. You know, I've, I've ah. grown up here. It's, it's good. It's, uh, you know, it's cold as fuck in the winter, but it's, it's good. It's a good place. It's very interesting, you know? Um, yeah, well, I mean, you've been to the lion's tap before, right? <laughs> um, I have not. I've driven by it a number of times, though. I know exactly where it is. Why? Dude. Because you need to eat know, right? Huh? You said you were from Edina, right? Or Eden Prairie? Eden, you got it. I yeah. used to live in Eden Prairie. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I know, the lion's tap. I've got I've got family out there and we, they've been there a number of times. I've just never gone with them. That's oh, where the Lion's God. Tap is. It's in Eden Prairie. It's on the outskirts there. Um yeah. My God, man, they they make burgers like no one else. Okay. Oh my god! Thank me afterwards. Literally, like, be like, dude, thank you. Like, anyone who goes there, it's you gotta go there at least one time in your life before you die. Vegetarians, just suck it up for one night. Suck it up, go eat a burger. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, no, no, no. yeah, honestly, yeah, it's oh my god, and the onions on them, and oh, yeah. do they do juicy Lucy's? Huh? Do they do juicy Lucy's with cheese in the middle? What's it? What's is that when you stuff the cheese in the burger? Yeah, that's that's oh. a Minnesota thing. You shove the cheese right in between. It, not even it's not even two patties. It's one patty with cheese inside the patty. Yeah, the cheese is molten hot. It's like a it's like a pop tart made of burgers and cheese. Exactly, it is like a pop tart. Cheeseburger yeah. pop tart. Cheeseburger pop tart. Is that the world's first in band name? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I mean, Juicy Lucy's a good band name, to be to be fair. You know what? But um, in fact, just this weekend, I listened to Indie Cindy by Pixies. So okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, just that that I think that that kind of brings that back around. Actually, I listened to it in three EP form before the Pixies before Pixies came back after their long hiatus, and they okay. got bassist um, again, and um, they released Indie Cindy. Before they did that, they released three different EPs with four tracks on each, which would eventually the three of them be the entirety of Indie Cindy. Right? Okay. Is that, is that an album? 
Uh, right, that's their 2014 album that they came out with. Okay. They released, uh, I believe they released it on Record Store Day, and they had a single called Women of War. But we've just uh, tracked left into Pixies Talk. Well, let me ask you, does that album have Where's My Mind on it? That's off of 1987 Surferosa. Okay, because that's at the end of Fight Club, and it's right. also one of the songs that I used to sing in the band that I was in. That's a great song, isn't it? It's a pretty dope song. It's, um, uh, it's very calm. Well, compared to, especially, yeah. Um, well, com- compared, to the, compared to Ariel's by System of a Down and some of the other shit we were singing. Oh, but, that's yeah. funny. I was just thinking about Ariel's the other day. Um, I really have a fondness for System of a Down myself. I think they're an excellent band. For some reason, I kind of marry the two in my head, Rage Against the Machine and System of a Down. Sure. I always have those two in my, uh, you know, kind of put them together, like, for some reason. Um, I think it's like um, the revolutionary aspect of them. You know, it's like, you know, that's exactly what it is, obviously, I guess. Fair enough. Um, do, you, do you know that there's one Rage Against the Machine song that was not on any other... Uh, LP that they put out, but that was on, uh, it was the Godzilla one and it was uh, off the Godzilla soundtrack and that was uh, the song No Shelter. Okay. No, I have not heard it, I don't think. Maybe I've heard it on the radio. If it's... Oh, it's a good one. Yeah, okay. Alright, so we're wrapping up-ish. But oh, I'll... do you want to do a tarot reading? Yeah, with... I was about to say, yeah. Uh, by the way, when I was leading into this, I read, um, I used the True Black to divine how this would go. Okay. And, um, I think you would agree that this turned out to be right. I drew the three of cups for this interview. Nice. So I got a good feeling about it when I went in. I was like, this is just, yeah, exactly. It was good vibes going in because the thing's just like, that's what's up. Hell yeah. I think it's been a pretty fun time. <laughs> Indeed. So, um, yeah, I've been, I've been going on coffee and a prayer tonight. So <laughs> I feel like we did do a good job. Well, so here, let me let me see. Do you have any questions that you want answered by, by Taro? Ooh, I, I guess this is a good opportunity to do something like that then. I, I could give you a bit of a reading and try to explain it uh, to this. I, I love doing visual Taro readings in an audio podcast. I've done it I've done it now like two or three times. It's, I'm a big fan. It's very fun. Well, <laughs> I am not one to step in the way of fun. I will, I will say something um, that I've seen interesting in recent tarot decks, like the Prisma Tarot deck and in um, the True Black Tarot, and that is the inclusion of a 78th or more card. I saw this. I think it's the Enchanted Alchemy Tarot. I'll, yep. have, to, I'll have to get back to you on this, but I saw, I saw one in store. At the, I was at the Enchanted Fox the other day, and I saw one in store. That was the most amazing tarot deck I've seen in recent times besides True Black. Okay. And it was soft colors. It was soft pastels with gold inlay on every card. It oh, was so beautiful. Was it, the, was it the Ethereal Visions? That may have been it. Is it Rider Waite kind of clone with some Art Deco looking letters? That's it. With the gold yeah. all over the cards. Yeah, on every card, yeah. That deck is super cool looking. That has multiple. Yeah, you're right. That has multiple extra cards. Like that's what I was thinking of. Yep. Thank you. All right. So yes, I'm sorry. My deck deck has one of those too. It's this card. So this this is called the mirror. This is what the backs of the cards look like, right? It's these Fibonacci squares. Ah. See that? The front of the card is is that, but reversed. So the glossy stuff is the is the lines inside. 
that's really a cool idea. That's like that takes it. That's like very meta. That takes it to a whole other level. I I see what you did there. It doesn't I have like numbers that. on it. I, I like it because um, when it pops up in a reading, it always tells me that I already know the answer. It's like look look inside yourself. You don't need to look at these cards, kind of a thing. Interesting. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's happened a number of times, and it's always been pretty profound. Would it be useful to like so? The kind of question, well, and you put so much intention into it. I'm, I'm not surprised that's the results. <laughs> it's a oh, weird, it's a weird deck. Let me tell you. I would expect nothing less. Don't forget though, it was. Uh, let's just uh, before we further on, uh, I do find it interesting that um, I, we haven't we haven't even gotten into any of our logity stuff, which just goes to show that you could just be a magician and be like, and you don't even need to talk about who you know yeah. who's doing what with, which is very refreshing when you think about it. You know, it's just, <laughs> it just we're just people doing people stuff. Yep. talking about movies and music and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is at the root. Okay, so okay. Um, Leaping Laughter is your lodge. I, I actually don't go there, but it is, it is the local Minneapolis Philemon Lodge, yeah. Oh, the reason it came up is it came up through just a sideways synchronicity. Okay. In one of our other podcast conversations with Paul Allen Greenfield. Oh, I, I'm sorry I missed that, too. No worries. I wanted to be there for that, that uh, interview. Oh, um, no, it was just... It, it, was a, it was... The whole thing was just... A, it was... It happened very suddenly. Yeah. It was very magical and there will be further there's there's more coming down the road. There's there's only opportunity coming. That's awesome. it was dude, it was a whirlwind. Um but the point is is during that your lodge happened to come up somehow. Or oh, that, that lodge. Yeah. yeah. And Ren's codec and stuff like that with the NAEQIO, mm -hmm. which is crazy that Hellier equals ninety three, of course. <laughs> And um, the queen turned 93 yesterday, by the by. Oh, really? That's cool. On Beltane. I had no idea. 93 on Beltane. So, yeah, isn't that interesting? It's pretty bizarre. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, well, I guess man. everyone, you know, eventually you got to turn 93 unless you kick it before then, but... That's well, there is that aspect. There's a three, 101 and 365, or I don't know, there's some aspect of that in there. But yeah. No, um, it's just interesting. It felt significant. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Okay. Just, just, just happened yesterday, too. Yeah. 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 Um, so, um, yeah, we didn't talk about any modern landmarks burning or anything like that. That's like a vault. Yeah. That's always sad. Yeah, well, there was a lot of weird stuff happening, and there was a lot of different things that were. That's a whole other um, rabbit hole to jump down. There was other places sure. that were doing that had similar travesties at the same time. Lauren Coleman is someone, uh, and Chris Knowles, I look to for these kind of things. They uh, they tend to have, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there, but they tend to have a good pulse on the matter, and it's like you know, it saves you from having to get inundated with unnecessary. They, they get they 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 add just enough I think. There. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, gotta mention the cocktail twins. And uh, so what's up? So, I will shuffle this, and then you tell me when to stop, and then I'll draw from there. Do you have a question in, in mind? 
I, we were going to ask, um, so what are the, what would you say for this kind of scenario, what we're doing right now, mm-hmm. what would be a really effective type of question to ask? What would you say? Hmm. Maybe a predictive question for how something is going to go. Um, I hesitate to do it for my Kickstarter, but maybe something you're working on. Okay. You have anything that well, you want? No, I, I was I, I was like uh, thinking, uh, wouldn't the uh, wouldn't the fitting question be how's the Six of Swords and the sister shows Six of Cups, Six of Wands, and Six of Stones? How are they going to uh, fare as far as having a cultural impact that is useful for the society? And uh, also that I can make a subsistence off of. And also that is unique and original and groundbreaking. There we go. All right. All right. I'm going to start shuffling. You tell me when to stop. Okay. Do you want me to do an individual card for each of the shows or do me and then, and then expand on there or do you want me to do one for all the shows together? What would you like to do? I kind of want to do one in general and then branch off from there into each of the individual ones. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. So start there in general, in terms of podcasting endeavors, we got the tower. Um, (laughs) <laughs> so you know um the tower is an interesting card right it's it's all about turning uh turning you know electricity into fire right uh, it is it is about destruction about ruination of course i'm sure you know that but it's it's also uh, a mars card right it's about like action you know it's about doing something and, and breaking down walls you know literally and, and more metaphorically um as far as the sticks of swords this podcast we got King of Cups. That's interesting because it's swords and not cups. But um, that, that's interesting. That tells me that you're going to be able to kind of bring about um, that sort of change in the conversation in terms of, um, you know, breaking down those those barriers of what is acceptable to talk about, for instance, and being being more open and being more honest and having having these kind of grand discussions in a very candid way, if that makes sense. You know, I think, um, I, I think that's a really interesting thing about the show and about, about the six of cups too, is that you're able to facilitate discussions that are more open than a lot of shows out there, if that makes sense. Right. Um, so six of cups, we got, see if I can show you this. How do I show you? Um, I don't think I can show you this, but it's the Six of Swords. <laughs> You're kidding me. Yeah, it's uh, it's the Six of Swords. It's Mercury in uh, Aquarius. Um, I love how you said how, oh, well, for the swords we have the cups, and now for the cups we have the swords. Right, yeah. So uh, that's, that's part of what I love about tarot. Sometimes it just does this. So the the Six of Swords is, you know, of course, it's called science, right? It's, it's a card of um, 
you know, strategizing and, and being able to kind of um, learn and expand and carry on through, through there. And like we were talking about earlier, six is our Tifereth. It's, it's fun, you know? So I think, I think what you're going to find, especially with the six of cups um, is kind of leading more, it's, uh, you know, ironically leading more into that kind of airy energy of like having these round table discussions and having, having the ability to um, kind of break, break the floor open, so to speak, and let people, um, let people talk, you know, um, I think it's really interesting, uh, having participated in some of those too, where you, you're able to be the facilitator in those shows to be, you know, to be the one kind of guiding the discussion, if that makes sense. Um, that's something I haven't seen a whole lot. I mean, I have seen it before, but I haven't seen it like as, as quite as you were doing it, which I think is really interesting strategy. Um, so that's something that could be a really big benefit for you is kind of having that, having that scientific sort of formula in a way. Right. Definitely, uh, the Mercury and the Virgo categorizing things enjoys that too. Yeah, I have that in the seventh house. Yeah. So you're talking also about six of wands and six of stones in terms of podcast shows, right? Six of wands is, of course, wands is action. So that's a live show that's going to be facilitated through YouTube. Um, I'm going to see uh, about getting it on a certain streaming service. So that would be a, a live thing that I do, right? To bring that into the mix. Okay. And then the Six of Stones has multifaceted aspect to it, but the true inspiration. There we go. Oops. Uh, for the Six of Wands, I got the Seven of Wands. The so, Valor? Uh, yeah. So um, Mars and Leo. Um, so that, you know, especially it being a live show, I think I think that's going to be a way that you can kind of rum up some, some action, you know, some... Um, uh, enthusiasm, right? Like, like to build, build an audience of people who are like engaged and um, he's on top of the crowd, right? Like on the, on the wands. So it's kind of like what I have to do is like facilitating the conversation in a way. Right. Yeah. And then uh, I apologize. I feel like I interrupted you when you're talking about the six of stones or yeah. So what is oh, that? I think we go. Oh, the true inspiration for that. Well, hey, I think it's fascinating. You drew the seven of wands for the six of. I mean, that's <laughs> it's it's just good juju. Um, yep. And so the idea, even the idea about the six of wands at a cart was about canopreneurs, like entrepreneurial advancements in the cannabis sector of the economy and the market and the culture. And so that's one part of it, but it's also going to just branch off into sometimes people talking about economics or some kind of thing like that. Whereas it can also just be about stoner culture. So it can ride that. Um, uh, what's you say? Uh, the sliding scale there. Hence, hence the six of stones, six of stones. Right. Gotcha. You know, I think I, I was going to say it was interesting earlier that you you mentioned the the six of wands in conjunction with the six of swords with the Prisma Visions deck. I think I think it's interesting how these sixes all play together in a way, right? It's cool. But so I, I do too. It's it's it feels like weird to be part of like wrapped up in that archetypes energy now. Yeah. <laughs> I've been hitting those eleven elevens pretty hard on the Twitters, so and nice. I've been getting yeah, so I I feel like I've been plugging into some of the it's just anyways. It's fun to play with these things, to say the least. It is. Um, So that's uncanny you drew that for that. So let's see what we can do for the Six of Stones here. I got... uh, uh, Ah, 
Ralph reflections. I should have used the colored deck. What That's is the it? lovers. Oh gosh. I got the six for the six. The six. Yep. The lovers. You're kidding me. That is what that is. Um, well, I believe I see it and I believe it. Also, the the tower is sixteen. By the way, I don't know if that there's a six in there. Yeah, that's it's yeah. not. You know what's interesting is that in a slice of Lynch in a um, Twin Peaks bonus section, mm-hmm. David Lynch is sitting at a bar getting coffee and pie. Yep. Um, Shelley Johnson's actress Madchen Amick, I believe it is. Yep. And uh, she's there with who else? Gosh, uh, I'm surprised. Uh, there's a, uh, there's a I've, cast I've guy. There's a guy who just worked on Kyle the McLaughlin, cast. Isn't it? Huh? Isn't Kyle McLaughlin there? Or is he not? I thought I thought he was part of that at some point. Well, it was just that was he? I'm I'm having see that's I really can't remember. But the point is is that she asked about the um seventeen and he's and David Lynch looks over and corrects her and says, Well that's an eight because the and so he capitalists so he shows his Yeah. yeah. Well, he knows. He's, yeah, he, he's up on he, it. He says, and he says, well, eight's a very good number, too. Yeah. It's a, hey, there you go. It's, it's infinity, right? He's so cool. Well, you know what? Nine's an infinity because you have it as the Horizon Nine. That's why the Beatles did number nine, number nine, number okay. nine, to show it infinitely repeating, proven in the math of nine, which nine yep, times. Because it always reduces to itself, yeah. It, well, yeah, depending if you multiply it or add it. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's so it's it's that's why it's known in the Greek history uh, as Horizon number, and of course that's where you get Horizon nine. But anyways, as we're drawing closer and closer, so we just drew five cards. We should draw a sixth card, don't you think? Yeah, and well, and you know, um, so I guess let's talk a little bit about the lovers. Oh, for sure. Yeah, let's not jump over that. Um, and by the way, I've had this up this whole time. Oh, nice. There you go. Yeah, that's the the Rider weight. Is that the uh, radiant. You got it. I have nice. the radiant. Yep. I'm, I'm getting good at this. You are good so, at this. So um, the lovers is a great card. It's 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 a card of alchemical combination, right? It's it's bringing stuff together, you know. And I think I think what we're seeing here, especially if you look at this as sort of a progressing path, is that you're going from this ability to kind of like um, break down these these barriers and have these great conversations leading into building a community around that right and then you know the six of stones could be kind of an extension of that community in a way right especially if you're dealing with helping uh, entrepreneurs kind of take off in their their different business endeavors you know and surrounding cannabis and stuff like that right and the, the culture i think that'd be pretty interesting plus you know who doesn't love some love right i mean that's that's kind of that's a big stoner motif right you know peace peace I, and love one love, right? Yeah, there you go. So yeah, I think I think that's cool. Plus, that's a nice that's a nice. We got Gemini there, and that's a nice mix of the card itself. I don't know if you can see this very well, but the card itself has um, Mars and Venus sort of uh, interposed together, right? Yeah, that's very pretty. Um, did you know this that um, in our bodies we have our uh, Mars trees that project our blood, and our Venus veins that intake our blood? Interesting. No, I, I did not. I did not know that. Pretty cool, right? That is pretty cool. That I like that because this uh, the heart is sort of. It's almost like the artery valves, right? Like yeah, the, that's so radical, dude. That just fits together perfectly. That's that's pretty neat. I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna use that from now on. Thank you. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Yes, do it, man. Righteous. Um, card you said. 
Say again? You want to get a sixth card? To yeah, doesn't that feel set? fitting? What we got here? Oh, hey, look at that. Uh, that is the star. Holy shit. Yeah. We were just talking about the star. Yeah, that's that's really cool. There's no spirals in my star card, but I do have a pentagram. I have a hexagram, and then I've got two heptagrams. Heptagrams. So Four stars, a five, a six, and two sevens. And then, uh, of course, all seven spheres, right? We got Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Moon, Mercury, Venus, and Sun. Uh, and then the house for it is Aquarius. All things which we were talking about. You know, the star, I, I feel like the star is sort of the driving factor of magic in general. You know, I think that that's sort of, the star is like the the energy, the essence that kind of like makes it all work and makes it, you know, um, it's sort of the fire behind the will in a way, right? Yeah, I'd say it's the prima essence, like that we yeah. were saying earlier. That's into the, but the fire behind the will, like a deeper urge. Yeah, it's like I mean, it's just it, it is what propels things forward. You know, um, there's oh, who is it? I think it might be Aristotle. Um, it was one of those guys. It was probably Aristotle. Was uh, used kind of a, an idea for a proof of God as the unmovable mover, or the what is it? yeah the unmovable mover because God is sort of the the fixed point that everything else in the universe revolves around. So I, I sort of feel that energy, that revolving energy, as as the star. That's sort of the thing that propels everything forward. It's the I can see that. Um, I've seen it as I mentioned because we, we actually talked about the star earlier. Yeah, um, and I, I've seen it. Um, in the English Magic Tarot, they have it with uh, Isaac Newton-looking chap with a prism, <laughs> and okay. there's light flowing in in a rainbow. It's a great. <laughs> He's got the dark side of the moon cover. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I keep it on my altar. One of my altars in my bedroom is a vinyl record player in a briefcase, and I have a Harry Potter sorting sorting hat on top of that. Uh, some cool Thai uh, occult. Uh, tattoo uh, of a rooster with gold on it's fantastic on top of the sorting hat. The point is on there. I have the dark side of the moon um, with this thing from their last album, the endless river, but next to it is the English magic tarot star card with the guy pointing his prism up at the dark side of the moon album. So that That's it's awesome. Angle. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's, it's trippy, but yeah, it fits. My, uh, next to my that's a picture of and next to that's a picture of Laura Palmer. But anyways, <laughs> is it is it the picture from from the show of her like the prom picture? It absolutely is. That's amazing. <laughs> no, my my altar is on top of a record player as well. No way. Yeah, it's it's in. Uh, it's on top of a table uh, that has like the underside of the table is my stereo stand. So it's nice. where my record player and receiver are. Music is music is spiritual though, so it makes yeah. sense, right? Absolutely. It's also the only place I can fit both things. But yeah. but up, but, um, just to back up to that point though, um, you know, we are all made of vibration in a way. That's like why you know, even that idea that God's the prime mover, then God's the one who spoke. That's where the prime utterance of vibration, right? right? You know, yeah. mm-hmm. maybe. Anywho, it's just, it's just so interesting. Thank you so much for pulling those. Of course, yeah, no problem. And I and notice how we started with the sixteen and we carried up to the seventeen. It's yeah, insp- it seems to be like in it seems to like be uh, intimating some kind of like evolutionary upward spiral. That's how I and yeah. that's how I see that. I could I could jive with that. I, I mean, it. 
just is what it is. But that was interesting. We had a very even keel of elements in there. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was pretty pretty all over the board. We had uh, we had cups, we had wands, we had swords. We didn't really have any discs, I don't think. But we had the the um, uh, well, we had the lovers, which that's Gemini's. Uh, or is Gemini an air sign? I can never Gemini's remember. an air sign. So is Aquarius and Taurus, or no, not Taurus. Um, the tower is Mars, so that doesn't really count. But you know what? We had we had a good a good mix of cards there. I like it. It'll take care of itself. I think the uh, the trumps were overwhelmingly positive for the overall message. Yeah, and, I think so. And you know, even um, you know, even if it takes like making T-shirts to make the pentacles come out, because it had to be something more material. There's a million ways to spin it. I think that actually, but like seriously, overall, that's an extremely positive. I mean, ending up with a star. Oh yeah, that's the star is a really powerful card. I think. I think it's 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 showed up in my life a few different times where where it's been like very big dramatic shifts. So yeah, I could see that being being something positive. I uh, I do got to get going here pretty yep, soon. I was about to say this is uh this is our time. Fair enough. But yeah, thanks for having me on. This is this has been super fun. Taylor, um dude. <laughs> you yeah, no, I mirror that. Like this exactly. Um I I could uh I could just basically say that uh help his Kickstarter. Don't even help it. Like that's the that's the wrong way to put it. You're getting value. You're getting to yeah. be part of something. This is tarot history. Get a deck. It might be That's a simple. exclusive. You got to got to get one while you can. <laughs> and you also have choices, right? You uh, you want to tell about the choices quick? Yeah, so there's two different types. There's a colored deck and there's a black deck, right? So one of them is the the whole original one that I was talking about, the one we just used is the black on black version. But the other version is the exact same deck but it's um, neon colored like bright colored lines on on black backgrounds. So it really pops. You know, I'm a huge fan of that neon. Co- I, I, I've, I, I'll, I'll admit it. I've, I, when I was a kid, and still, I'm not saying still, <clears throat> maybe. Uh, Lisa Frank was awesome, and I loved the colors. I thought it was very pretty, just very cool colors. Mm-hmm. So I might be. I know that. So do you have one that you would suggest, or is there a now? Is there a bundle thing? Is there a way? Yeah, to both yeah, of that. You can get both for. Um, I think it's like seventy bucks, plus uh, shipping. Um, or, and this is us dollars. I don't know if you have international listeners, but, um, I, you can also, I, I made a where you can get three copies for a hundred bucks, three um, copies so, for a hundred bucks. That, yeah. So one copy is 42. And so three copies would be three for $33 each, which, you know, gotta love 33s. My um, man's doing it right here, folks. Come on. You gotta respect this. Help him out. You know, help yourself out is what I'm trying to say. You're getting value here. 33 bucks too for that. That's that's pretty keen, man. Now, what about the boxes? Um, do you, can you describe that quickly before we go? Yeah, so I mean, there's there's going to be uh, the kind of main box is going to be just a tuck box, just a normal tarot tuck box. But the uh, if we can hit the stretch goal, the thirty thousand dollars stretch goal, what I have planned for the boxes are. I wish I had one here. I can kind of show you this example. It's not the best example, but it's sort of this like oh box like that right so like you know it goes on except what it is is um two cubes so if you imagine listeners out there in in theater of the mind land a black cube with a white cube on top of it 
that's what the box looks like. And you pull the white cube off, and then you can see the deck inside there. Um, the cubes are 3.33 inches by 3.33 inches, so the total thing is 6.66 inches tall, of course. Wouldn't have it any other way. It's perfect size for a box. Uh, it also looks kind of like a, a, a Golden Dawn uh, Philemic altar. So I dig it. I'm smiling broadly. That's really <laughs> cool, man. This you got to do it right. You, know? you got to do it right. doing it right. Oh my God. Well, I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to get on top of that. I'm going to, I have time to do this, but uh, you don't want to wait too long. May 11th is around the corner. Hell yeah, it's this, a... yeah. The six of, so there'll be five days. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you're posting this on. on the it's sixth? every six of sword comes out the six of every month. So Monday. Yeah. So if you post, if this comes out on the sixth, then you'll have uh Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, five. Friday and Saturday. You have five days, folks, so do not wait. Do not hesitate. Stop what you're doing. Pull, pull to the side of the road. Do, yep, do it right now. Pause, pause everything. <laughs> Reserve your copies while they last. <laughs> this and, is and, the rapture. I'll also mention, because I haven't really talked about it, um, there is a tier. It's, uh, it's $300, but it comes with the deck. It's going to be a signed deck and then also a handmade wooden box. Um, I'm only going to make five of these. Two of them are spoken for. So there's three left. So if you want a handmade uh, wooden box, it's going to be, I might seal it in black just because, uh, but it's just going to be like a normal, it'll look probably similar to this. Um, so all you people that are listening can't see this, but it's just, it's a wooden clamshell box. Um, you can put your tarot deck in it and uh, you know, it's a, just a nice little thing. I can tell you folks. Yeah. Um, I, I've changed how I do show notes, but we can definitely get a picture of that in there. Well, We'll collab Taylor. We'll collaborate to make sure that picture gets in there. Yeah. Uh, it's a fantastic looking box. Thank you. Uh, well, I think that's a great idea. Five is, uh, it's kind of like you, you know, in one way, like another time you, you could do like one for each of the magic, of the gathering colors. So there's like a very unique kind of like, but whatever, like that's, I think it's fantastic that you're doing that. Um, that's why it's so cool to help out right now. While the, I mean, who knows? Maybe by the time we hear this, there's only two left. Get on top that's, of this stuff. It's a good point. Um, so, I think we've done a. Gr- I mean, it's like I think we've done a great thing tonight. What do you think? Hell yeah, I uh, I'm all about it. Well, good sir. I think it's time we retire to the uh, to the other sphere. Sounds good. Well, thank you for uh, for having me on here and everything. I. Uh, had a pretty fun time, and I hope hope to do it again. Hope to be on another six of cups at some point pretty soon. That uh, that's always fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, this was pretty good, man. Um, we're gonna do the six of cups coming up. Uh, yeah, yeah, soon enough. Those will be coming out. I'm gonna start rotating, and uh, the ideal goal is to get to a point where I'm rotating it so that each week has one episode of each, so that gets a nice rhythm going and gonna try to attach it to the lunar cycle if i can and figure something out along those lines i like it down the line mm-hmm. so yeah you're welcome to come back on and uh I, this was really fun actually so uh yeah um you have a good night i see how you too take it easy so thank you so much for listening to the seventh episode of the six of swords this is going to be really exciting to see how taylor's project comes out i'm I'm personally very interested in uh, this having as far in a reaching appeal as it can. This is a really 
special tarot. I'm gonna um just say that uh you know it's uh no one else has really done it like this. So you know he's got his own. He's he's put a lot of Taylor's put a lot of work into this. So I'm as 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 a fellow person of creating tendencies to avoid that dreaded uh how you say um what's the word that when something is um propriate <laughs> taken over uh, it, I'm at a loss of words here folks so anyways um the the word creator I was avoiding but anyways as a fellow gosh I really I really wish I could think of the the phrase here let's uh pause and see if I can appropriated I think is the word so anyways yes creator has been appropriated uh but anyways so as a fellow creator I would say that it's exciting that Taylor's vision and all of the effort and energy that he's put into this is coming to fruition so now that the project is officially over 25,000 I'm very excited for Taylor and for the Sigil Arcanum Tarot to go out into the world and for what people who listen to a podcast named after a tarot card and its associated sibling co uh, shows would have to say and think and feel and experience through this um, modern masterpiece of tarot, we're calling it here, and onward moving. So... Let me know what you think of this, especially uh, you can get in touch with me uh, through all the usual channels. There's going to be a Six of Swords uh, page coming up that's going to be a portal to Six of Cups and the sister shows that are soon coming with the Six of Wands and the Six of Stones. So be on the lookout for those to enjoy and learn from and have as part of your growing evolution experience in this planet this plain t realm planet earth so yeah that about wraps it up thank you for listening as as always and of course and may your adventures be brighter than you had previously imagined because you have a new magical tool to add to your toolkit so get it <laughs> get it get it <laughs> get the sigil arcanum tarot and i will see you next time on the sixth episode of the Six of Swords. Mm -hmm.